Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. Kramer for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. They won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Director <laughs> Mischke. I was like, is my internet messed up? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened. I did a couple things wrong, and it uh, was a terrible start to what should be a great show about a fucked up game. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe where it was speeding up, it, it was like, well, maybe he's just doing that because he's about to, his voice is about to come in, and it's like, Aldo Gandhi, you know. Yeah, whatever. I was like, well, that's a nice touch, but you know, I guess it's it was unintentional. So. No, it was totally unintentional. <laughs> it's uh, like a Matt Nagy completed pass from whatever quarterback <laughs> it is. It, it's an absolute accident anytime it happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Travis says he is caught in a pretty good storm and he can't wait for tonight's show. Other than the obvious, how was your Cleveland trip? You tell him, Dan, how was your Cleveland trip? Man, there's. I, I need to tell you the stuff about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame since you weren't able to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the part with you was unbelievable, and I and I want to say this publicly. I, I should have said it before we went on the air to you privately, but I mean, you were so generous, and it's just, man, no one's ever really just bought me stuff like other than my mom, you know. <laughs> but here you are like, no, 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 let me let me get this. Let me get this. Let me get this. Let me get that. Let me get this. Let me get no, I got the appetizer. And, you know, and uh don't worry about the parking and all this shit, man. It's just uh, it's overwhelming. Like I, you know, like I said I felt like you deserve a fucking man hug, you know. Just <laughs> thank you. And thank you for being my friend and thank you for doing the show and just thank you for going, man. Like we turned I, I think all in all, the trip and, and something disastrous in, in, in the Brown Stadium into something positive. You know, it was fun watching. If, of course, we watched the Packers win together because every time I watch Green Bay, they win. So uh, I told you, I told you every time I watch, they win. But even that was fun just because I was sitting there with you and, and bullshitting. And so 
all in all, the trip was obviously a success, but the Bears lost. And then if you want me to rant about my clothes, my hoodie and my jersey, I certainly will. Yeah, but before <laughs> you do that, uh, let people know whether Brandy or not had a good time. Uh, did you, I'm sorry, you say, did Brandy have a good time? Correct. Oh, I think she did. Yeah, she said that, of course, she didn't have a ticket for the Bears-Browns game because, uh, you know, you and I had this plotted months and months ago. Right. Uh, she's going to go to the Lions game Sunday, but uh, that was just kind of an added, you know, like, oh, cool, you want to go? Well, come on, you know, you're not going to fuck anything up. Let's go. And uh, so, yes, yeah, she went to the baseball game with us Saturday, which, of course, Chicago lost. It was a tough weekend for Chicago. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she enjoyed that. She got to sleep and while well, we were at the game and then go around the shops a little bit and had a good breakfast, she said. And then I think on Monday she enjoyed the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Again, there's a story. I, I It may sound a little bit more negative than what it, it what's intended to, but I want to tell you about that, too, at some point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Unless you want me to tell you now. Tell me now, yeah. Unlike the NFL Hall of Fame, now I can't specifically tell you how it's organized because I haven't gone since 2012. I passed it both times on the way uh, to uh, Cleveland for my route, Canton's on the way. But um, I didn't stop this time. I didn't have the time. But I, but it was organized. I don't remember how. Maybe it was by the class, like the class of 1970, the class of 70, or, or maybe it was by conference or teams or, or whatever. There was some sort of order. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is complete and utter chaos. Really? There is, there's no rhyme or reason. They have this huge display, and rightfully so. I'm not even a Beatles fan, mm -hmm. but they have this huge Beatles display, and again, rightfully so. And then, like, right beside it, like, here are the talking heads picks. What? Like, it's not broken down for genres mm -hmm. or eras. Cause like the one Brandy specifically is talking about. So we're, we're in like, uh, Janis Joplin. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking, okay, maybe this is like a San Francisco late, like maybe Jefferson airplane is going to be, or maybe jo Joan Baez. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, they may have a little display of something like for a specific era or town, like a Seattle or San Francisco. But for the most part, the bands are just spread out everywhere. There's no rhyme or reason to how they're actually displayed. Uh, it's hot. The air may have been on, but you have to wear your mask. And it just it felt like it felt like there was no air, but maybe there was some. It just it was really hot. It was dim. Uh, you could like you could miss something easily because there's no tour guide. There is no map tells you this is there or this is there. What the and, fuck? And like, for example, I'm a big Doors fan, right? Sure, me too. So the, the Doors had a display that was more or less akin to an 8x10 picture. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere close by, uh, this is just asinine, they have a huge display for Billie Eilish and Taylor Swift, neither of which, by the way, are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I complained about this to several people. And every time they had a canned response. I mean, it was the same answer from everybody. Well, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame depends on donations. So Taylor Swift donated some shit just to be like, I'm Taylor Swift, put me in the Rock and Roll of Fame, even though I don't deserve to be there. So they just hang up all of her shit? I mean, is that how it rolls? I mean, could Zimmerman send his stuff in and they just display it too? I mean, right. I'm, I'm not saying Zimmerman's not good. I'm not being that sarcastic. I'm just saying... <laughs> 
the point is, can anybody just send their shit? So they're like, well, it's donation. So go ahead and post it. The doors didn't send us anything. So they don't deserve anything. Well, I want to know how much of a donation it will take because I I'll start a GoFundMe page just to see Steven Zim Zimmerman of the South suburbs hitman show be in the rock and roll hall of fame. That would be well, awesome. <laughs> it, it was, like I said, it's crazy. You know, the NFL hall of fame, I, you, you have a bust, you know, of your, your head. I expected something like that, you know, mm-hmm. because they did have some like random like outfits. Let's say that James Brown wore yeah, yeah. and had it sort of on a mannequin mm-hmm. and they had uh, Blondie, an outfit that Deborah Harry had worn uh, on a mannequin. So I thought maybe they were going to kind of do that for everybody in my head, mm-hmm. like going into it, at least for like Michael Jackson and like the big stars, you right. know what I mean? Sure. But it's it was it was kind of disappointing. I mean, for the price, it's not. It wasn't overpriced. Right. But if they bucks. just had a tour guide right. or some kind of consistency to where things were, well, if you're in this era of music, so you can expect this, mm-hmm. you know, some, like, okay, well, let's go find the British invasion shit. Like, where are the animals? You know, like, stuff like, you know, if there was some sort of rhythm to it, it was like Matt Nagy's offense. This shit's just everywhere. <laughs> it's just all over the place without any explanation. Brandy. So the Rock and Roll of Fame, I don't think I'll go back unless I'm with somebody that like is like, please, let's go. I haven't gone or yeah. something. Then, of course, I would go. Brandy says that Queen drumsticks, that's it? Yeah, exactly. And another example, and she and I both talked about this. Neither one of us are Bob Dylan fans, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't matter. Bob Dylan is still an icon in in music. For sure. So Bob Dylan deserves like something and like they act like he wasn't even like real or something. There's this like maybe an eight by ten of Bob Dylan, too. It's just this man was once called the voice of his generation. Now I don't think that's true, but he was dubbed that shit and right. he didn't like it, but right. people were saying that. So he deserves a little bit more respect is what I'm trying to say. But the only bands that really seemed to get any love there were the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Wow. And, and and rightfully so. They both deserve, you know, shrines. They had this huge thing for the Stones that showed, like, different eras of the band, 60s, 70s, 80s, and all that. And that's cool, man. Like I said, I'm not a big Stones fan, but I have a friend who is. Mm-hmm. So I t- took some videos and sent it to him, and he was really appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, like, I, I'm not a um, uh, uh, Grateful Dead fan, but I have a, a lady that that I, she's got a boyfriend now, so I don't know if that means that's why she didn't respond, but I've known her since college, and she was this huge Grateful Dead fan, so I sent her some Jerry Garcia stuff that I found mm-hmm. uh, that we just ran up on, like, for no reason. It's just like, oh, there's Jerry Garcia stuff, <laughs> and uh, I sent it to her, and she left me at red, but. I was trying to do that along the, the the day. I was trying to send people that I knew were fans of something and send it to them. Did you have uh, sex with this Grateful Dead woman years ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we, um, we did in uh, 2010, like two or three times, and maybe two or three times in 2018. But we were just more or less friends. Mm-hmm. She's very, very smart. She's very political. She's very liberal. And, um, you know, she likes, uh, you know, moderately the same kind of music that I do. She doesn't like the heavier, heavier stuff, mm-hmm. by the way, that's another time we take off topic. So anyone listening, this is unbelievable. So, you know, we rent the, I rent a Mustang on the trip, you know, it's a six hour ride. 
So we got a 2020 Mustang and got satellite radio. You know, I can't wait to just turn on Howard Stern because I only listen to Stern now when I'm on road trips because I don't have serious. There's no point in it. I drive, you know, 20 plus minutes to work and that's right. it. You know right. I mean? There's, why am I going to pay for serious? And <laughs> somehow Ford just decided, well, we're the family fucking car. And Ford had heavy metal stations and Howard Stern blocked out because they are quote unquote too explicit. So I contacted Sirius. There's nothing they can do. They're like, it's not us, even though they weren't talk, they wouldn't talk to me. They were just texting me. Right. And it somehow they, there were settings on the car you could go through and, and nothing was set to be blocked. Like if this was your family car and you had a four-year-old girl or or something like years ago when you, you know your daughter was really young. You can block out stations that you feel are inappropriate for kids or something, but nothing was blocked. Mm -hmm. But yet, if you went to Howard Stern or heavy metal stations, it was like my Ford key, whatever, has deemed this restricted. <laughs> so the lady at Hertz gave me a credit off, which I was like, look, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, like, next week, can I please get a car? When I go to Chicago, that will fucking allow me to listen to Howard Stern. And I was, I was like, I don't want anything off my bill. But she gave me like ten dollars off. I was oh, like, please nice. don't think I'm being an asshole. I just want to, I just want to listen to Stern on the ride. That's all. But guess what? I got news for you. James Farley Jr. is the CEO of Ford. Guess who his cousin is? My God, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> you would think, right? Chris Farley. <laughs> Oh, okay, cool. You That's... would think that a guy who is related to Chris Farley, who could be pretty raunchy with some of his humor, if you've ever seen his stand-up act or anything like that. And would... he was one of the super fans. Yeah, right. <laughs> one of the super bear super fans. Yep. Uh, you you would think that he wouldn't put these restrictions on uh, Ford vehicles. That's just fucking ridiculous. I can't believe that. And Brandy uh, said it, it, it said it best. I think when we were at the Sox game and we were talking about that subject, she said, "You know, you're an adult driving a car. So first of all, what is the likelihood there's there might you know might not be a child in the car? So what the fuck are you worried about? If there are adults driving the car, they should be the ones making determination to block out any." Uh, content that might be considered unsuitable for children, like this show, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the Mustang that we were in, I can assure you, even if it was Brandy driving, mm -hmm. which, uh, to give her credit, she drove the whole way out uh, on the on the way there. I drove a little bit on the way. I was going to drive the, the lion's share the way home, but I got upset over the clothing thing, which we'll get into in a second. And uh, she saw me at my worst because I was just fucking... Uh, it, it was just, okay. Uh, before I get to that, uh, my initial point was to say that even if you're shorter, there's like no back seat at all in that Mustang. I mean, the, you'd have to be, I don't even think if you had a child in like a, a kid's seat, whatever they're the baby seat, whatever the fuck those things are. Zimmerman, I know has got to have one right now uh, for his seat. newborn. Right. One, one of those like baby seats. I don't even think that would fit in there. This car was tiny. Mm -hmm. I, it was so small on the way back when I was frustrated that I was afraid to say, just kill me, which is what I always say whenever like, the bears lose or whatever, just oh, fucking kill me. You know, I was like, man, if I say that in this little car, someone will hit us and we will die. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how tiny this fucking car was. I wouldn't even chance it. Yeah. But can I tell everyone the fucking clothes story now? Yeah. But before you do, uh, 4,000 Clovers uh, says, yeah, but how was sex with 
hippie girl. I think he's referring to Brandy. <laughs> so, no, was he talking about the Grateful Dead fan, which is Barbie? Oh, I see. Barbie, Brandy, you got to think for bees, huh? So, but, uh, uh, that's a coincidence. Barbie was one of the only two vaginas that I've ever been with that squirted. Okay. <laughs> How about that? She would be so mad if I said that. So I cannot let her know that I said that. She, she is um, not a conservative, but she's conservative on these kind of. This would mortify her. So uh, she's she's a really good lady. She's in a relationship now, and um, it's for I've been happy for about a year plus. So I, I don't want to rock the boat for her at all. All right, we're going to talk about the game plenty, and we got media reaction, uh, local media reaction. We've got a soundbite uh, from uh, Matt Nagy that we've uh, embellished a little bit. But we're going to talk about this story first, and I want to start it off by saying on the day that we're leaving, though, checking out at a hotel, check out at 11, so we got to take all our stuff out because... And we want to do it, by the way. You called to ask if we could carry our own shit out. Right. And Which so, is like, if I'd have done that, my shit wouldn't be in Cleveland right now. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, you gave it away now. <laughs> oh, okay. Go ahead. My bad. My bad. <laughs> this guy. Um, so... <laughs> We, we go downstairs to the lobby, and so we ask, can we leave certain things behind so that way Dan and Brandy can go to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then they can come back and get their things and get their car and be on their way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We do it all the time, and so they, they check in their clothing I uh, and bags. So I will leave the rest to you, Dan. All right, so she gave me, you know, we, we had one ticket for the car. Because again, there was had someone had to keep our keys and drive the car, mm -hmm. which in itself made me feel extremely paranoid because it's a rental car, and if they lose those fucking keys, then I I'm down two hundred and fifty dollars. So the whole time I was internally, if that, just that, if I thought about the valet parking just for a second, it would create anxiety because nobody cares about your stuff the way you care about your stuff. And so, okay, so I can't carry my own shit to the fucking car, which in its, itself, again, makes me extremely fucking angry. But I didn't say it. I wasn't a dick to anybody. So, okay, we they tag it. All right, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We walk, and we go to the Rock and Roll of Fame, and over, I don't know if it's coincidental or not, but overwhelmingly, the majority of the back is uphill and, you know, I uh, hadn't pissed in a few hours or something, you know? So when I got back, I was just like dying. I was like, God, I got to piss. So Brandy's like, okay, I got it. I got it. You know? So she's, she's got four tickets for my three for bag. I had a bag that had like my, you know, like my razor and shit like that. And had a bag with clothes and whatever. So I had three bags and one uh, thing that combined my Justin Fields Navy Jersey with a hoodie that I don't even, I haven't even paid off yet. Again, I had it in four installments because if you buy things on, you know, Fanatics or whatever, they give you the chance now to to pay in four installments. You make one immediately and then one every other week. So my hoodie was like $85, so I pay like four $21 installments, whatever. So I have any, I, I still owe three payments on this is what I'm trying to get at. They sent me an email saying my, my next payment's due tomorrow. I just got the fucker on Saturday. It just came in on Saturday. I wore it to the, the Sox Indians game. I wore it to the bar. You know, we should shout out the people that I met because I don't remember who I met, but I met people <laughs> at the bar. But, uh, and then, uh, so anyway, I love the hoodie. It's sold out. You can't even get it now unless it's a small or a medium. It's a starter Bears hoodie. So that's just my hoodie and my Fields jersey. 
So Brandy's taking care of that. I'm in the bathroom. I just had to piss. I was gone like three minutes. So part of this is on me. Let me just say that. So she's like, I come back and she's like, okay, you know, we got everything. And I was like, all right, so let's put it in the car. And then we're like, well, the car's not here yet. So I just sat down and um, I just assumed everything was there. And we got in the car and we left when the car came around, which is my fault for not looking through the stuff. It is. But I didn't know that the one thing that Brandy told me while I was pissing, the lady who, who was there when we left said, well, what's this other ticket for? And it not being Brandy stuff, she didn't know. But I kept thinking, why the fuck didn't she ask me that? <laughs> like, oh, by the way, sir, what's this other ticket for? But again, I should have looked through my stuff. It, it, this is, in a lot of ways, is on me. If they just let me carry it out, it wouldn't have been a fucking issue. But so we get somewhere past Canton and it just pops in my head. I didn't see my fucking jersey or my hoodie. I'm driving the car and it just hit me. And I was just like, and she's like, oh, my God, I didn't either. And this is where the story really gets mad or makes me mad. Suddenly, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. Their fucking phones won't work either. Right. I mean, if you call them, it will either say, welcome to Verizon. The number you're trying to dial is not reachable. What? And, you know, you, or you call back and they're like, uh, residence in hotel. Yeah, hi. And then it would, the phone would, call, it would drop. It would drop your call. Or it would just ring and ring and ring. I literally called them over 200 times because I couldn't stop. I was like, I was obsessed. I've got to find out if my shit is still there. It's not in the car. Maybe it's not there. I, I, I don't know. Finally, we figure out that the stuff is at the hotel. Like 150 calls later, because I can't get them on the phone again to confirm. One person says, yeah, we tried to call uh, uh, Gan... Dia or something. Uh, we tried to call him click basically. And that's when I called you. I was like, I, I have, they called you. I know I knew you were driving. I didn't want to fuck with you. Uh, so they either tried to email you or call you. They said, because the room was in your name. So I, you know, you're like, Hey, calm down. I'm on the road. My wife will call them. We'll take care of it. Don't worry. You're like the calm, the calm in the storm and stuff. But I'm like wigging out, you know, like Brandy's like, well, just let me drive because you know, I'm like frantic, like, why won't they answer the phone? Fuck. You know, like I'm not yelling at Brandy or anything personally, which she will vouch for. But I was really like just exasperated. Like, why is this happening? And um, I'm expecting my shit to never be seen again. I can't rebuy the hoodie. The jersey's fine, whatever. I can buy it again. But um, anyway, to wrap up the story, ultimately, I get somebody on the line who's being a complete and utter fucking asshole to me, of course. But she's like. Well, if you just, you're going to have to buy a shipping label. Okay, fine. Let me buy the shipping label. I go to FedEx inside of Walgreens in some town in Ohio, and they're like, well, we, we, we can't create labels here. Fuck. Of hurry, hurry up and wrap this up. People in the chat room are like saying, come on, talk fucking football already. Well, I'm sorry if they don't like my fucking Lost Bears story. Like <laughs> It is going on a bit long, though, Dan. Well, I'm giving you the details. So anyway, <laughs> to finish the story, I finally get them on the phone, and I get the shipping label, and I email it to them. And then for a fucking day, I can't get them to confirm that they got the shipping label. But today, they said they do, and they're supposed to mail it tomorrow. But I still I feel like, are they? I don't know. But I'm sorry that upset some people in the fucking you're, chat. You're paranoid, Dan. 
you're fucking paranoid. To call a hundred times is paranoid. If you were that's not paranoid, they wouldn't answer the fucking phone because man. it wasn't fucking working. That's why they told well, you that. I was con- well, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know if it was Verizon or the hotel. I did not know that at the time. How many times did did, did you call after they told you that they were having problems with their phone? Uh, just to find out. Six hundred. No, no, no. As soon as I found out what their email address was, then I I just got them the e- the the shipping label. Then I didn't call anymore that day. Period. <laughs> I just wanted to know that that they got the shipping label. So, and then today I called. And just said, hey, do you have the shipping label? And are you going to ship it? So she said, we're going to ship it tomorrow. And I said, okay, thank you. If they'd have said that on call one, then I would have been happy, you know, but. No, um, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would have been mad at myself for allowing this to happen. (laughs) You're so funny, man. You called me up and you sounded so fucking desperate, like your fucking children were missing. <laughs> it's fucking... Man, it's my Fields jersey. I mean, I know he played like. Oh my gosh, it's your Fields jersey. Oh my god, my it's like your jersey and my hoodie that you can't rebuy. I, you can't buy it, and I still fucking owe on it. If anybody's a real Bear fan, they should understand this. Somebody, uh, Herney777 says it was probably repossessed <laughs> because you failed to pay on payment. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. It's a joke. It's a fucking joke. Jesus. It's a $21 <laughs> installment. If I can't fucking pay on it, then Jesus Christ, I couldn't afford it to go to the game. <laughs> yeah, you say that. You keep buying more tickets to concerts and stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's... right. Yeah, right. Okay. Dan, you are one trippy motherfucker. All right, let's talk Bears football. What'd you think about this game? <laughs> the game. Oh my God. Well, we we talked about it a little bit with Buffon. Um, what aspect uh, do you want me to just oh fuck it, I'll just jump in. Well, we got there and you know, early on immediately you said, which is worth mentioning again, you said, isn't it funny how the Browns players seem to be warming up and practicing plays and the bears guys are just standing around in the pregame. The Browns are like running their full fucking offense and the bears are just standing there, high-fiving each other, not doing shit. It is so true guys. Uh, we, we got there early, got our seats where, so we wanted to see the pregame or workouts and so forth. The bears workout was nothing, nothing, nothing like the Browns where they were energetic and stretching and throwing the ball and so forth. The bears were lethargic and which is comes back to my argument that the Matt Nagy rarely gets this team fired up coming out of the tunnel that they have uh, weak first quarters. Well, I saw firsthand a team that wasn't even fucking stretching. I was so frustrated and 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 Dan is so nervous about the game that it started to rub off on me. I started to get fucking nervous too. And then when <laughs> I see when I see the, this lackadaisical warm up, I'm like, what the fuck? This guy can't even coach his team to have an impressive looking warm up. Go ahead, please. O'Donnell was booming the ball, and I think that carried over to the game. Like I, yeah. well, I did. That's something else I should say. Normally, of course, I watch, I record all the games on DVD, and I edit out the commercials. This was so bad that I just let I just hit record and let it go for three and a half hours or whatever. I, I'm not editing out the commercials. I'm not even rewatching it. So I'm not even watching the TV copy. I, I'm never. I'm never watching it. So I don't know what O'Donnell's average was because, as you know, we were in the stadium. 
but I'm guessing he was booming like 55, 60 yard punts. Cause it was amazing. And you said that in the pregame too. Like, well, damn, he O'Donnell's looking great today. Mm-hmm. And Santos looked really good on one side of the stadium. Uh, the one closest to us, he was going short on, but he was practicing long kicks too. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit windy in there. You know, the goalposts were moving a little bit. It wasn't like, you know, the game where Nathan Vasher returned that kick when in 05, Wendy, but it was, you know, it was Wendy. But yeah, even in the pregame, it just looked like the Bears going through the motions and Cleveland's looking at you like we're coming after you. I, I, I heard this today as I was cleaning house. I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, fuck, who's the guy that uh, the de- devastated us for four and a half sacks? Uh, the guy that threw the helmet for the pirate, or the the Steelers guy a few years ago. Uh, help me out. What's his oh, name? Um, number, uh, um, number one draft pick. He's number ninety five for the Browns. Yeah, Miles Garrett. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett evidently was quoted as saying, according to whichever uh, post game, I listened to Jason Leisures and I listened to Dan Hampton. One of them, somebody quoted him as saying that. After the second possession, we felt extremely comfortable and realized what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they weren't worried because initially they thought that Fields is going to be running waggles and bootlegs and rollouts and shit all day. And they were like, we got to go chase this motherfucker now. And, you know, it's kind of hot today, you know, and uh, they realized he wasn't doing any of that. He's just going to stand there and drop back. And they were like, all right, let's go get him. Which again is such a huge indictment on Matt Nagy when on the sec by the second possession your opponent's like, well, we figured it out, we know what they're doing. It's just, it's God, it's doesn't it make you mad to hear that? I mean, I'm sure the guy wasn't talking shit when he said it; he was just being honest. Mm-hmm. It, it went beyond making me mad. It also made me sad. Um, for and we'll talk about this more after we play some of the media sound bites that collected local Chicago, local media sound bites and some national sound bites. But I really got sad about the whole thing. I, I, you know, I went through kind of the stages of grief where you get angry and you get sad. There's no denial because it's clear. There's, you can't deny the fact that this guy is incapable of coaching. He's gotten worse. You know how he talks about, and I'm learning, I'm learning too, and so forth. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're a stubborn stubborn son of a bitch, and you want to do it your way. And then at at, uh, Monday's press conference, yeah, we're evaluating everything. We're looking at everything. And it's a fucking joke. It's a fucking joke the way this guy is. In fact, it's so comical that I cut this together. Um, it's it's stating the obvious to say that. Uh, oh shit! Here we go again. You know we we obviously got to be a heck of a lot better offensively. No shit, Sherlock. And find ways to get into a rhythm. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like as you you watch the tape you know, in really all different areas, uh, not just one person, uh, in a lot of different areas, all of us. Oh fucking what the fuck! I know. Look at this fucking guy. Uh, you know, just being better, getting into that rhythm. Whether it's the protection, whether it's the run game, whether it's staying out of third and longs. That was a good one. You know, we had those third and twenty-two, and third and fourteen, and a third and two in the first half of the seventeen plays we had. So number one. He who smelt it, dealt it. Um, what we'll do is we will make sure that um, we evaluate all of us. You're, you're a fucking idiot. 
you know, and, and understand that we got a big division game against Detroit this week for the fourth week. Oh, crap. Easy there. Hey, shouldn't you be in Detroit losing a football game right now? The guys get back in here, we'll go through it with them, and we'll, we'll correct our mistakes. And... <laughs> um, and understand that, you know, yesterday is, you get to a point yesterday where, um, you know, statistically, when you look at that and you see what went on and what happened, we, we understand that we're all very frustrated and angry. Um, but we got it's about solutions now, and uh, we got to do it. And, and that's going to be my job uh, as the head coach. I need to do that, and it starts with me. Fuck you. Fuck the plane you flew in on. Now get the fuck out of my hotel room. And if I see you in the street, I'm slapping the shit out of you. That was. Matt Nagy's first words in Monday's press conference, it was even more downhill from there. And uh, I'm at a loss for words at how ridiculous this motherfucker looks now. And it is, it is, we're in our sad period where we are looking at this organization and thinking it's in a fucking embarrassment, an embarrassment. Mark Carmen on WGN show who's the, the straight lace guy and he's the host uh, with Hampton and OB and cost comes on too. He, I don't know who did it for him, you know, but I don't know if it was him or was a staff member or whatever, but they had a layout of various post game quotes from Matt Nagy from say 2019, one from 2020, and then compared it uh, to what he said on Sunday uh, after the game. They didn't have that one. Cause that was Monday, I guess. Right. Uh, but they had three quotes that sounded basically the same with him saying, this is on me. This is on me, which sounds good on paper, but he has said this shit so many times was their point. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know what year it is. It could be 19, could be 21. They're like all this together. Like he's not learning. How much more do you need to see before you make a fucking move? Mm-hmm. I've yeah, seen it's, it's awful. I've, I've seen enough. And, uh, yeah, we know the Bears' history, their own fire coaches in, in the middle of the season. Well, they got to fucking change history. You know, in order yeah. to change results, you, you need to stop doing the same shit you've been doing over and over and over and over again. Travis has the uh, the chat line of the day. He's got a bunch of clown emojis followed by shit emojis followed by clowns and more shit. It's it's a work of art. Think about this. uh, The game famously in 2000, that got Cade McNown shipped out of here. Basically Mm -hmm. was when they went to San Francisco was Jerry Rice day. Terrell Owens had 20 catches week 16 of 2000. And the bears offense didn't make it past midfield all day. Mm -hmm. You know what they had? They had more total yards than Sunday. They had more passing yards than Sunday. Conversely, uh, a couple of years ago when we had Matt fucking Barkley and basically his number one receiver was Josh Bellamy or Deontay Thompson, mm-hmm. they had much more yardage passing and total yards. The Browns had the ball for like 41 minutes on Sunday. And this guy's got Allen Robinson. He's got you know, what you think is a good tight end and commit. I'm starting to worry about that, but they got Jimmy Graham. They got Mooney. You know, the people we got mm-hmm. much better than the people that uh, Matt Barkley was throwing to. And, and yet they're able to move the ball, but not with this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Not this guy. It doesn't matter how many toys he has to play with. He can't do anything with them. 
Yeah. Uh, it just, it's, he really, it's awful. This is, I, you feel like it, there was the six game losing streak or the four game the year before, but I, dare I say this is his rock bottom? Yeah, it, it is his rock bottom because if, it, it, if they have another performance like this against Detroit at home, at home, I, I'm pretty sure you and I are going to storm the field. Tackle. He may get the, seriously. He may get the hook on Sunday after the game if they play like this against Detroit and the fans of Soldier Field are booing. That might be what gets him fired. The make make the McCaskey, whom we saw Saturday, by the way, make a move. But the, but are you afraid? Let me ask you: Are you afraid that to try to soften the blow on any criticism, he's going to just start foals now on Sunday, so he can be like, well, you know, uh, if they have the next putrid performance you can be like well we still have the rookie we're still trying to get him ready yeah because if fields plays bad another game then it's on him but he buys himself time if he puts nick Foles in there mm -hmm. are you i don't you think that might happen i i, I do i i they're all and and the media clips that i have here I, i'm not sure i i included the one that perhaps nagy sabotaged this whole thing to kind of prove to people i told you justin fields wasn't ready so he didn't provide the protections he didn't provide the scheme and the play calling and the so forth to sort of underline that he was correct about not starting justin fields now i don't think that's true but maybe subconsciously matt nagy sabotaged his own team i mean because he's such a fucking egomaniac and it was you know, at first when he came in and says, all starts with me, this is after the game, the press conference after the game, all starts with me, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, at first I thought, well, that's good. You know, he's taking accountability for that. But he, he really isn't. He really isn't, yeah. although he's got He just to wants you to say, oh, you did the right thing, coach. It's just to make him look good. Yeah. He's got to feel that his, his job is in danger at this point. I mean, you can't – I mean, unless he is blowing George McCaskey – and McCaskey loves it. There's just <laughs> no fucking way that his job isn't on the line. I don't care you, what assurances were given to him. I don't care. What happened Sunday good, was an atrocity. I agree with you. A good segue quickly to tell the chat room is that we, you and I, were referred to as homosexuals <laughs> at, <laughs> the, at the game. So we're sitting there after this beatdown. It's like we're sitting there stunned the way Fields is looking on the sideline. <laughs> yes. You know, like, how is this happening? So you and I are just sitting there like, should we leave? Should we just sit here? Like, what do we do? It's like we're at a fucking wake. And the Browns fans are jubilant and walking up at the stadium. And they're like, oh, well, look, you two guys still have each other. You're in love. And my comment to him was like, thanks, homophobe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were accused of being lovers just because we're sitting in the fucking stadium. I'm on top. That's all I know. <laughs> hey, you know what? I hate to say it, but a little gay sex would have probably been better than what we saw on Sunday. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> it was so bad. Like we went to uh, we went to the worst game imaginable. Yeah. I mean, seriously, this is one of the lowest moments. Like, you've been a Bears fan longer than me. Can you honestly think of a game that was probably worse in your tenure of watching football? 
Yeah, those two 50-point losses, uh, consecutive games. Well, okay. Uh, right. th- that, to me, was the low point uh, that I've ever seen in Chicago Bears history. And I started following them in earnest in that 1969 1-13 season. So I've seen a lot of terrible shit. But those two 50-point losses, you know, Packers scored 50 on the, the Patriots. And the Patriots. Uh, was the Patriots game nationally televised? I remember the Packers game was. I don't believe so. It was a it was a 1 p.m. East okay. noon Central kickoff at the New England game. Right. That was the first game that I watched in my house. I had just moved in my house. Mm, your new house, and so that was a great way to inaugurate. So, yeah. <laughs> that uh, probably led to the divorce. That was just like <laughs> this is not going to work. All right, let me cue up uh, this uh, uh, media stuff. I it's about. 12 13 minutes of cool. stuff yeah it's i got a lot in here so uh a lot of this is local radio media um the day of the game but there's some stuff from monday as well and there's national media stuff uh in here towards the end so pretty self-explanatory what they're saying and a lot of it is really really good and thorough here it comes oh i mean it- we keep going over it, right? The the 1.1 yards per play, the one passing yard. I saw a stat on ESPN that said uh, Justin Fields, one of seven for X number of yards with more than two and a half seconds to throw. The worst in the NFL with that much time to throw since 2018 tied with... Kendall Hinton. If you guys don't remember Kendall Hinton, oh, that's oh, Appalachian Kendall State. Hinton. Oh no, Wake Forest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hinton, the Bronco quarterback. The, the Bronco quarterback who was the Wake Forest receiver who oh. had to play quarterback when all of their QBs got COVID uh, during oh. during the pandemic. <laughs> right, and a receiver right. was playing quarterback. A practice squad receiver was playing quarterback in the NFL. Man. So that's a pretty good one. There should be criminal charges filed against Nagy. Not only for impersonating a a head coach, but an offensive coordinator. And how about even a human being? As you said, the most important player on this or or in this organization, in George, in Pace, in Khalil Mack, it's the quarterback now. It is the future of your franchise. The next decade is all about him and to leave him in there and let him take a beating that you know that was merciless and 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 act like you didn't have any concern about it is sickening it's Uh, sickening if Nagy is the head coach tomorrow that would have to be the laughing stock in the city of Chicago he is a disgrace folks we have 26 coaches from Nagy down to whoever the last guy is 26 coaches. We passed for 83 yards last week, and we have a total net yardage of 47 yards and one passing yard, and this is a passing league, and this guy Nagy is our head coach. I, I'm i not making this stuff up, folks. You can't believe this. My partners, we're, we're, we're looking at each other. We're incredulous. We cannot. We can't believe what we just saw for three hours. But here's here's the here's the bottom line. It's the ultimate insult to the reputation of not only the Chicago Bears but to the public trust. Anybody that has anything to do with Chicago is embarrassed. 
let's face it, you know, and I know this isn't the number one thing. Justin Fields was overmatched um, in this one, and I know that scheme didn't do anything for him. But even when he did have the few times he did have a clean pocket and he did have open receivers, he was not hitting them. So I just I think that uh, I, I guess there are things that they could have done in terms of maybe more protection and and blocking and things like that but it just felt like no matter what they were going to do they were going to remain helpless john elway's first start one for eight for 14 yards four sacks and an interception passer rating of zero troy aikman's first start uh, passer rating of 40, two interceptions, two sacks. Peyton Manning's first start, three interceptions, four sacks, passer rating of 58.6. If you're good, you will learn from this and survive and thrive. I, I, I mean, that's what we've been talking about with Fields. I, I don't think Fields is going to be broken by one of these. Six of these? Seven of these with no adjustments from the coach and no help protecting and getting battered eight or nine times every game, maybe. But one, I think it's just a step back. Yeah, I like. Of course, this didn't ruin his career, and of course, I still think Justin Fields can be great in his career. But this is one or two steps back. Like I think this is something from which he has to recover, not something from which he will learn. Number one thing was Matt Nagy is lucky. Like he is lucky that he came out of that game with a bruised hand oh, yeah. and a negative X-ray. He was getting squarely. Cause I mean, cause these weren't he, just shoestring tackles. Yeah, if he yeah. came out of that with a Joe Burrow injury on a play where he left Miles Garrett with no extra protection for, for Jason Peters, Matt Nagy is – I mean, he is fired. See, like, what, not, see, not, not, not literally fired today, but his career is over. I saw that kid in the pocket and I saw him getting killed in yeah. the pocket. And, and David, you know, just, just for a little icing on the cake, you have him stay in and you go for it on a fourth and 10 when you have absolutely no chance of, uh, I mean, you're averaging what a yard, 1.1 yards a game. I'll have to check uh, the Twitter account of one Jimmy Graham to verify, but um, the, 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 the idea that you go for it on fourth and ten just to get one last sack of him, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know what else you're thinking. And he hurts his hand, and he has to get an X-ray on his right hand after the game. I don't understand why you did that to him. What was the purpose of that? And to me, that's a microcosm of the entirety of what we saw on Sunday. Poor, poor judgment, loss of poise, and you put him in harm's way. And it was indicative of everything else that happened throughout the course of a long day. Mully, uh, 40 inches per play is what the Bears averaged. 1.1 yards, 40 inches per play. And as some uh, smart Alec texted me, it is a game of inches for the Bears. Uh, that was you. And uh, well played. But that was embarrassing offensively. If you didn't see this coming, you, you haven't been watching. So the, the offense has been built this way. I was part of an offense that played against the Giants that gave up nine sacks, okay? We had Jamarcus Webb at left tackle. We had Lance Lewis, uh, two seventh-round picks. We had Frank Omeo. I'm sorry, Jamarcus Webb was a right tackle. We had me. I was quite old in my 13th year. We had Roberto Garza. He was in his 10th year. If you didn't see the way this offense line has been mm -hmm. built, the way Coach Nagy has been calling plays, the, how bad the offense has been for years, if you didn't see a performance like this coming, you just haven't been watching the Chicago Bears. And – Early in the week, talked about a lot. 
he has to consider at least firing himself as offense corner. Uh, just looking at last week, how close that game was. We won that game by three points, and we had four takeaways, scored on defense, and we still only were able to win by three. So this is the way this team is built now. Mm -hmm. So now we need that performance every week. In order to win, that's the performance you need. Now we revert back to what we saw a little bit of that first game. We had some sacks, but then we got missed tackles. Missed tackles in, on the back end, whether that's linebackers, whether that's Eddie Jackson, um, other defensive players. I mean, uh, both safeties on the Kareem Hunt run, both of them had a chance to make a tackle. Mm -hmm. Now, totally different tackles. One had a chance to make, a, make the tackle in the backfield. The other one had a chance, but he has to understand, Eddie has to understand, if he gets by me, it's a touchdown. So you break down and you get him to the ground. That is like understanding what type of tackle you have to make. You can't come in and make a big hit on that one. You got to get him to the ground. I truly believe if George McCaskey cares about winning, not this season, that team's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. He's talking about developing another quarterback they traded up to get. Matt Nagy should not have an office tomorrow. He should be fired tomorrow. You can't put as incompetent a play-calling scheme out there today, which looked almost like he wanted to say, and hey, I told you he wasn't ready. I want Andy Dalton back. Look, right. Look, That's what he did. He so, did look that way. So if you, if you take a look, just the way they're built. So in 2019, when they fired people, they said the offensive line was the problem, right? Mm -hmm. They fired the head coach. They fired Heffrey because they couldn't run the ball. Mm -hmm. So they've been trying to fix this since 2019. Like Cap said, eventually you have to say they don't know how to fix the offense. Literally is no other way of describing the Chicago Bears right now with how they've mismanaged quarterbacks over the Matt Nagy tenure than a dumpster fire. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. You know, when, when he saw a decline in their offensive production, he blamed it on the former offensive coordinator, Mark Helfrich. They fired some other assistants on that, on, on that staff, Harry Heastan, who have really, really strong reputations amongst coaching circles. So that was surprising, but he used them to be the scapegoat. Then it was Mitchell Trubisky, and then they blamed everything and put it all on him, even though I never felt like they ran a system that played to his strengths. And now you get in Andy Dalton, you get in Justin Fields, and nothing works within this offense. I mean, he has no one to blame but himself at this point in time. The number one job of an NFL coach is you should walk into that game versus the Cleveland Browns and say, I'm not going to let Miles Garrett beat us. He's the best defensive player on the Browns team. I can't let him beat us. They didn't put together a game plan to stop Miles Garrett. That's a direct indictment on him and the lack of coaching or game planning he did. There's no excuses about it. I mean, this is as bad of a job as I've ever seen as far as game planning goes, in particular for a rookie quarterback. The Chicago Bears should fire Matt Nagy today. Dang. Because yesterday's game plan, which was the worst one I've ever seen in my life, was either negligence or intentional. It's been 149 days since the Bears drafted Justin Fields. You had 149 days to start to build the game plan around the skill set of this young man. And it was an embarrassment. Justin Fields threw the ball 20 times yesterday. 13 times they went with five-man protection with no help for their offensive line. 13 out of 20. Yesterday you showed us that you are, there, are incapable of designing the proper game plan around a dynamic quarterback, or you showed us, showed us that it was intentional, that you wanted him to fail, and you set him up 
to be a disaster. Look, I'm a dumb defensive coach, right? I'm so dumb, I would drop back 21 times, or I'm sorry, 30 dropbacks in this game. 21 times, I'm going to go five-man protection? Mm -hmm. Are you out of your mind? I don't. I wouldn't right. do that with Tom Brady. This is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I've said it from day one. When, when we said, remember, I loved Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. As I yeah. said, hey, Mitchell Vick, I liked him. Well, you never gave him a dang chance. You won coach of the year right in the back of that kid, and then you threw his ass away. Now you also got Nick Foles. Great job. Great pickup. You picked up a guy that's proven not to be an NFL starter in this league. Now here's your decision. The great decision, you, you drafted a guy with unbelievable ability, and you're going to go out there and get him killed. Yeah. I don't get it. As an ownership and Ryan Pace, the general manager, you go, we're going to trust you. That's the guy that you want. We'll go get him. And you roll him out and do that? Yeah. You move the pocket once in the first half. One time. Middle, middle of the second quarter, though. One it's time. It's the middle of the second One quarter. One time. You don't design routes. You ran the same third down situation. Third and five and third and six. Third and eight and third and seven. You ran the same play twice. The same play twice. You're getting paid for that. That's what you build with the game plan that you have. A hundred, from the moment you drafted Justin Fields, you should have been designing all these game plans. So when he gets on the field, you unleash him. And it's a Colin Kaepernick type situation yeah. where we the, the we've never seen it before. Never seen it before. Yeah. But you're dropping back and you're going, we can block this defensive five-man protection. Don't tell me he's not ready. It's your freaking <laughs> job to get him ready to play and you figure what. out the things he can't do and you don't do it. You know, I just love when I come on the show and mm. I'm actually the nicest person talking. <laughs> oh, man. That was wild. That was super wild. Dan, what'd you think? Yeah, the Rex Ryan stuff I thought was my favorite of the, the piece. Of course, I'm just listening to it and not watching it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that was Dan Graziano. Was that was that who the 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 high pitch voice guy was? No, that Dan Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So both of them, uh, I liked that they were beating up on Nagy, and but Rex's points seemed so like poignant and like just spot on. I wouldn't try this game plan with Tom Brady. <laughs> so why are you trying it with the man making his first start? I mean, it was so like on point. Uh, I lo I love Dave Kaplan, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I uh, like the fact he wants Nagy gone. And it was a great job by you. The compilation was was spot on. Thank of you. course, the stuff that uh, OB and Hampton were saying, the everything, man. It's just like everyone, like I told you in a voice message several hours ago, I mean, it, it, to a certain extent, maybe sometimes it'd say we're the meatheads, we're the we're the fans. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But it seems like we're in the consensus with everybody, not just the the uh, Chicago media, the national media, the other fans. I mean, I don't know anyone who's defending Nagy at this point. We're definitely on the side of the mob right now. Yeah. I, well, uh, Isaiah Robles points out that Benjamin Albright, who, uh, for those who don't know, he is a Denver sportscaster. We had him on once about two, three years ago. He's got kind of a lot of insider knowledge, uh, sometimes uh, provocative opinions and so forth. And he says, you know, Nagy has, uh, shares some of the blame. But like Mark Grody said, he says it's it's clear that Justin Fields, and again, this is Benjamin Albright saying, it's clear that Justin Fields is not ready yet. not And, and 
He's not ready because the game plan is working against him. I think that's what Benjamin Albright needs to know. He's not ready because the offensive line is putrid. And I think Albright in one of his tweets acknowledged that, that the offensive line is is poor. But he's not ready because um, he's it's the poor coaching around him. It's not about the guy's skills. He can get the job done. You know, we saw him against the Cincinnati Bengals. He threw a beautiful pass to Allen Robinson, who dropped it in the end zone. So it's not just Justin Fields. It's a lot of the team around him, and especially the coaching staff, that is really hurting this guy. And as one of the broadcasters said, it's it's almost a miracle that that guy came out of there with just a, 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 a bad hand and that it wasn't a much more serious injury that he suffered in that game the way he was put out to dry there. It was criminal, as Dan Hampton said. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And I you may recall that I said this at the stadium. It felt like everything that the Browns did was easy and everything we did, we couldn't even fucking complete a pass. Mm-hmm. Everything was so hard. I mean, uh, you know, other people have said this too. So it's not just me. I'm not the genius here. I'm not Matt Nagy calling myself a genius, but why no screen passes? <laughs> why no rollouts? Why not something? The game plan that others implement to control Khalil Mack, lots of double teams, lots of chipping, why can't you use that to see how they handle our superstar right. uh, who is the pass rusher on our team and use that against them? Right. Like use some of that. How about run, you know, bring in JP Holtz, either, at, you know, your H back, your tight end, your fullback, whatever you want to call him, but in the fullback position and help out with 71 out there on the left, if he needs it mm-hmm. or over here on the other, on the right tackle side with the Fetty, whatever you got to do, man, like just, just give him, another second mm-hmm. and then maybe he can make a throw to Robinson or Mooney downfield but Nagy's not letting him run routes downfield but another thing that you have said before and I don't I didn't focus on this during the game but I think it's still very uh some it's it's very poignant to point out right now is to say that our receivers never seem to have any separation and some of that has got to be on Mike Furry the, the the wide receiver coach no one's ever open if you got this blazing speed why is that Mm-hmm. And our tight ends are never used. And I am starting to worry about Komet too. I mean, I'm not going to, some people are calling fields a bus now, which is to me is insane. Totally. I mean, it is, that's totally stupid. Art. Yeah. But I am starting to worry about Komet. We've seen him a lot now mm-hmm. and yeah, God is, is he ever going to do anything? But maybe that's Nagy again, who's holding him back too. And then Jimmy Graham gets like five snaps and you're paying him $10 million. You let Kyle Fuller go with that money. So you got to play the guy some, mm-hmm. and he's not done. I mean, he's not the guy it was in new Orleans, but he could help fields out mm-hmm. for one. Like when you're down there in the end zone, they could, like you said, man, Hey, let's single up Graham and throw the ball up to him. Just see what happens. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see that either. It's just what was he doing? What was he? What did Nagy? What do you think Nagy thought he was going to do with that game plan? Um, get Justin Fields killed, perhaps <laughs> he was out for murder. It's it's hilarious that <laughs> the Dan during, during the course of the game, we're sitting next to a couple of guys to our right, and Dan's oh, uh, yeah, Dan's yes. talking to them, and Dan is saying, 
correct me because uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but Danny, you would say stuff like, we need to fucking kill Matt Nagy. We need to run down there and do like the Monica Seles guy. Yeah, I brought that up, the 1993 <laughs> French Open when someone ran down and stabbed Monica Seles on the court, no less. I guess she was a Steffi Graf fan. Yes. But I was like, I'm not saying I want this to happen, but if someone <laughs> ran down did. and stabbed Matt Nagy right now, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> And then when the guy got hurt, they had to stretcher the one, like the sound guy out or whatever. When Eddie Jackson ran into him late in the game, I was like, it's yeah. too bad that he's not on the stretcher, Matt Nagy. <laughs> and then we heard that Andy Reid went to the hospital after the game. I was like, it's too bad it's not Matt Nagy. That's right. And then I said, yeah, you probably wish Matt Nagy had the joining room next to, to Andy Reid. <laughs> I was like, remember Mike Ditka had a heart attack in season. Maybe that could happen to Matt Nagy. Of course, I'm saying all this with uh, – I'm not really wishing ill will on that. He was trying to make you laugh and to try to make myself feel better. I really don't want the guy to die or be stabbed, but I don't want him to coach the Bears either. I was really cracking up when you turned to those two guys and you said, yeah, that's big dick Nick Foles. (laughs) Yeah, they they didn't know. I was like, yeah, Foles, man, he's won a Super Bowl. He doesn't have to. He's been paid. He doesn't give a shit what this offense is doing. He's and, And he's got a big dick. And they looked at me like, what? I was like, yeah, this goes back to Philly. He's got a giant cock. <laughs> and the guy that was sent, this was a cool anecdote, we should say. And we said this on the phone show. But um, the guy looks like he was super cool, man. Like the Browns kid. The, he was probably 24 or 5, you know. Mm-hmm. He looks at me and he goes, you know, I don't have a problem with the Bears. I just want you to know. But I am rooting for the Browns. Of course. Of course. We get it. He's like, um, but. I think you all are closer than some people think. He's like, and this is in the pregame before the kickoff. Right. He goes, but the, and I hadn't said anything to him other than, Hey, how are you? What's up? Whatever. He goes, the, the biggest problem I think you all have is coach Matt Nagy. And we're like, fuck yes. Mm-hmm. And then as the game went on, he told me that he went to high school with Cleveland's Denzel Ward. Right. And he was complimenting how Ward had never changed. It was the same guy. And ironically, I was drinking out a cup that you bought for me again. Uh, a soda at the stadium that had Denzel Ward's face on it. So I was like, is this surreal? You went to high school with the guy who had the cup I'm drinking out of. He was like, yeah, yeah. He, he's a great guy though. You know? So anyway, um, PZ says, uh, Reed went to the hospital when you saw the bears game. Phil. <laughs> Do you think Nagy text Reed at some point? Cause remember that was his mentor. Do you think oh, yeah. is that uncouth to do that? If you were, if you were on the verge of being firing or being fired, let's say when you were working at, in, at the TV station there in Chicago, mm-hmm. and for some reason it looked like there's all kinds of pressure on you. Would you reach out? Like you could be losing your gig. Would you reach out to whomever you looked up to during those times? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To try to get some advice on how to handle things. Yeah. I think that's absolutely okay. I think in Matt Nagy's case, that if he were to call Andy Reid, uh, Andy Reid would say, who? Matt who? I, I don't know anybody. <laughs> Hang up on him. <laughs> but uh, you think Nagy would be like, I'm a coach. I don't have to call Andy Reid. I, I don't know. Or would he call him just to try to like. Hey, well, he, and, you know, everybody, everyone believes that he's so arrogant that he probably wouldn't do that. But I think he's in survival mode now. You know, if you listen to uh, Monday's press conference, he sounded like he was dejected and sad and he's in survival Good. mode. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure he's thinking about everything to try to hold on to this great job of coaching one of the historic fr- uh, franchises. And, and 
And I, one of the things Benjamin Albright, I think, or, or uh, said in a tweet or one of his responses, uh, uh, one of the respondees to his tweet is that who is going to hire Matt Nagy after what was seen yesterday or a Sunday against the uh, Browns? Who Did, would you hire him as your offensive coordinator? Would you hire mm-hmm. him as your quarterback coach? No, he's on his way to college football or, or, or something. I don't think he's got it. High school, probably, but I don't think he's got an NFL career, at least not anytime soon. Or less Andy Reid brings him back just because of the sentimentality. That's probably his best bet. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can go an intern again for Andy Reid and not get paid. I don't know, but <laughs> cut the film up or something. Yeah. The, yeah. And that, that's the thing is with, with Matt Nagy is that he does remind me a lot of Mark Tressman. And I think he's going to have a Mark Tressman type career. Matt Nagy will be coaching in some other league. Oh, you think he's CFL bound? Yeah, I think he. I, I really think he is. I think that, and, and he might find success there, but he's not an NFL coach, at least not now, and not for the foreseeable future. And hopefully, his his future with the Chicago Bears isn't going to last very long. I mean, I hope that it does. I hope that Sunday he comes out with a dramatic change in game plan. Bill Lazor's calling the plays. He's more of the CEO coach overseeing things and that the Bears beat the shit out of Lions 30-3 to and that the following week against the Raiders, they go there and they have another excellent game and Lazor is again calling the plays and he's clearly set his ego aside and he's managing then then i will change my my mind i want this guy that's the matt nagy i want but the fucking matt nagy that showed up at cleveland then that matt nagy that ruined mitchell trubisky and and for those people who say well mitchell trubisky you know uh uh, isn't an NFL quarterback. Well, that's what I was saying when they drafted him, but he showed me enough that he is capable of winning. He had a winning record with the Bears, and he did a lot of good he things. He took Matt Nagy's offense to the playoffs two times. Yeah, it, that offense. Think about that. <laughs> right, that offense. That offense. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I hate to keep bringing up Mitchell Trubisky, but I think it's much more relevant now than ever before because it, it appears the evidence is mounting now that Mitchell Trubisky could have perhaps had a, a better career as uh, quarterback of the Chicago Bears if somebody else was the head coach, if somebody else was calling the plays, if somebody else who is not Matt Nagy was the primary source of developing that quarterback. I totally agree with you, and it, it is relevant. It's not just – pulling out something something in the way back machine just for to, for content's sake because Trubisky is his story is linked with Nagy and they in January after just the flat as hell playoff performance with no life whatsoever they basically just looked like they did in Cleveland in the warmups after uh Javon Wims dropped that touchdown pass they're just going through the motions and that's who they are and then after the press conference you know he's smirking and shit and we blame basically blame it on mitch and say no 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 the coaches he just got to draft his guy that's what the problem is it's mitch is the problem so now when it looks more evident that it is the coach then mitch is definitely something you have to bring up but some one more thing i want to acknowledge what you were saying that that worries me you remember I guess it was 19, but maybe it was 20, but I think it was 19 when Nagy said in the, you know how Nagy's press conferences are, you just can't, they just run together. He said something like, 
if uh, well, yeah, if lasers calling the plays, you probably won't know it. It's not like I'm going to tell you. So, you know, that's, if that happens exactly what you said and Bill lasers calling plays and, and against the Raiders and against Detroit, he's not going to come out and say it because he wants you to praise him. Even if he doesn't deserve that recognition. I had forgotten about that whole thing. If Bill, you, you remember it though, right? Now yeah, that I acknowledge absolutely. It, right? Absolutely. Okay. That, and that is, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm trying to censor myself because I don't want to go completely off. Um, no, go ahead and say it, man. This isn't Buffon's show. <laughs> this is the rated R show. You can say what you need to say. I just, you know, I, I try real hard to give people the benefit of the doubt. I try real hard to be kind to people, but I'm fucking fed up. I'm fucking fed up with this idiot, incompetent asshole. You know, I, a year ago, if you would have said this motherfucker can never turn things around, I would have, you know, been that contrary voice and says, well, you know, maybe, maybe this or maybe that, but I can't fucking do that anymore. This guy has, has pissed me off so fucking much that I want him gone. I want him gone. I if they have a, like a plaque, you know, what what coach is he? The the seventeenth or eighteenth? If they have a plaque, they need to take that fucking plaque down. And whatever coach he is in the history of Bears coaching, just have a blank space there, and and, and for Tressman too, just a blank fucking space there. I don't want them to be associated with the Chicago Bears because there are incompetent idiots, and a, a number of people have been saying yes. But nothing is going to change until uh, the organization makes some changes at the top. And clearly, we're talking about Ted Phillips. Clearly, we're talking about Ryan Pace. Yes, it's time for those two fuckers to go, too. I don't think that the management team has to be changed, the, the McCaskies, uh, uh, because if they don't fucking fire Ted Phillips after the season, then yes, then I will pray. I will do whatever is necessary to hope that the Bears will sell the franchise to a more competent management team, not one that's just going to take the fucking money and be satisfied with mediocrity, satisfied with an embarrassment, satisfied with the fucking bullshit that we saw on Sunday. It's time. It's time. I, I And I'm still trying to compose myself, man. No, no, it's good. I love you. Do it. I've got a tweet that'll make you feel better. This is like, you're going to enjoy this. Okay. Uh, not that I'm trying to steal Shane's gimmick. This is, but this is right on with what you're saying. Uh, the lady's name is Anna Colwell. I think it's C O L W E L L at real Anna Colwell. Uh, if I'm mispronouncing her name, I apologize, but trust me, you'll like this quote. The bears are not a football team. They are a trust headed by a 97 year old woman who inherited this trust. The purpose of this trust is to earn income to be distributed annually to the beneficiaries of the trust and appreciate in value, not win football games. This is why you have Ted Phillips, an accountant, as president, and two sons, Michael and George McCaskey, that were, giving, were given management positions. There are no football people running this trust, and there haven't been since George Hallis died in 1983. Sadly, I don't see anything changing until this business structure changes. End quote. Wow, that's a great fucking tweet. Yeah, absolutely. I retweeted it yesterday. Uh, so you can see I didn't embellish any of that shit if you go on my timeline there. That is a great tweet. 
And I, I got a good buddy. Uh, his name is John Roach. Uh, and he told me many, many years ago, nothing is going to change in Chicago because it's the management of the team that is ruining that franchise. And I fought back and said, ah, no, they've made some bad decisions. But, you know, I don't really think it's them. Well, it, it is them. It is them, you know, and uh, they have no stake in winning. They just want to make money. And that this whole thing about the new stadium in Arlington Heights and so forth, that isn't going to be built unless somebody else pays for it. And somebody else is me and, and everyone who lives in Illinois. It's going to be paid through state taxes if that happens. I doubt the Chicago Bears are going to reach into their deep pockets and pay for the new stadium that all Chicago Bears fans deserve. You know, not only do we deserve a new stadium in this town, but we deserve free seats too after putting up with the fucking bullshit we've been seeing. Hey, we, uh, Dan and I, when we were outside waiting, uh, outside of, uh, uh, progressive field, not progressive field, what's the name of the baseball state? Yeah, it is progressive. Yeah, that's progressive, that, right. that one. Right. We were, uh, waiting to be let into progressive field and we see a gentleman wearing a mask and he's, Six foot three, gray hair, and god damn it, it had to be George McCaskey. Uh, got clean cut, nice suit, bear shit on, like his mask is bears. Mm -hmm. And I looked over because you were telling me something. And I was like, hey, just one second. Is this George McCaskey? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like you looked and you were like, it is. Yeah. It I truly was. But he was talking to another guy. So he didn't really acknowledge us. No, he, he was, just, he was they with, were walking really quickly. He was with a woman. Wasn't oh, he? was it a woman? Yeah, uh, maybe it, you're right. It, it was but woman. he was talking to somebody else and was walking really quickly. Yeah. So I wish I would have spotted him a little further in the distance and then realized, yeah, that's George McCaskey. Because I would have said, hey, Mr. McCaskey, can we please talk? I, I, I just, can I walk with you and talk if you're in a hurry? Because he he was walking kind of briskly. And I would have said, you know, um, tomorrow your team is going to be embarrassed by the head coach. Please tell me you'll consider firing him on Monday. I wish I could have said something like that. That would have been cool. Your team is going to get the Justin Fields, your prized rookie, is going to get sacked nine times tomorrow, and it's going to be all of your coach's fault. And if your general manager doesn't realize that and fire him, then you should fire both of them. And Dan Aguirre over there, he has every fucking Bears quarterback jersey, including Justin Fields. Well, not the Navy one, not anymore. I'm waiting on them to ship it back. <laughs> You want to get back to that story? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm still, I really am worried about it. But I, I do think that was McCaskey. Like it looked just like him. Oh, uh, it, it had to be. It had to be. I, I've seen this guy a number of times. I used to work at WBBM TV, and he was a news writer there, so I would run into him all. It had to be him. I'm positive it was him. And I just wish we would have had the opportunity to talk to him and let him know how disappointed we are. And, and, and to express to him how important it is to us. You know, there's a hundred people on YouTube watching us live now. There's another uh, four or 500 watching on Twitter. Uh, I don't know how many on Facebook. I can't, I'm not going to look into the, those numbers, but 
by the time this episode is done and has 24 hours worth of age on it, there's going to be thousands of people who have watched this. And the reason that they're watching and listening to this is because they fucking care about this team. They care about it like it's family. They care about it like it's a loving pet. They care about it like it's a prized possession. They fucking care about this. And when they lose, it, it bothers us for days. And when they lose like the way they did against the Cleveland Browns, it doesn't just bother us. It makes us sad. It makes us depressed. It makes us want to punch somebody in the fucking face. Yeah, I agree. It, it, I, I said this to you on Sunday. I, I, I think we were at that Morton Steakhouse when I said it. Morton's the steakhouse. Oh, man. Uh, that was good food. <laughs> I feel like I I don't have enough class to be in this fucking joint. I mean, it's I was I didn't even want my elbow to hit the table. I was afraid they'd be like, get out of this. Get out of here, you motherfucker. You're, you're a fraud. It'd be have Phil saying it. You're a fraud. And kick me out. But, uh, yeah, man, like a Brandy ordered a baked potato and a steak, and it was $86. It was like, God damn, like, where am I at? Like, this is like where Richard Nixon ate once or something, you know, like Obama's been here. Like, why am, why am I in here? But <laughs> Quick story about that. Hold, hold that thought sure, that you got sure. right now. So we're at Morton Steakhouse, which people in Chicago should be very familiar with it. Dan wanted to go in there because he's heard the commercials when he's listened to Chicago radio. I mean, it's a famous steakhouse. And so they've got a location in Cleveland. And so, you know, we, we go in there and I, and I tell Dan, you know, it's expensive. So uh, you sure you want to go here? He goes, oh, I've heard about this in the commercials. I want to eat here. And it, of course, is delicious. The fucking server, he was so 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 gracious he had so much charisma too he really fucking did i wish he was our head coach we told him would you be please be our head coach because he (laughs) had so much charisma and so dan god bless his heart he wants to make sure because the service was impeccable the food was great and so forth dan wants to make sure he gives him 20 percent right so he takes out his cash and he starts counting it he asks brandy what's 20 percent of the bill and blah 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 and she figures it out for him and so he comes over to uh, he being a Bob and, and Dan would refer to him as not by his name, Bob, but also Bob and, and sir. So he would say, Bob, sir. <laughs> and so Dan says, Bob, sir, I want to make sure that I don't cheat you out of your 20%. So can you count this? And, and, and Bob is like, no, I, I, that's, that's fine. And, and you, and you insisted that he count the, the yeah. 20%. That was so charming of you. And so, so, uh, so uh, uh, appreciative was Bob. It, it was a great moment. Cheered me up after that fucking uh, debacle uh, in Cleveland that we watched, but uh, that cheering up didn't last long because, and then we did the bear football show afterwards and as we were doing that show with Tyler, John Buffone, Dan was the guest, and I, I'm, I'm a regular on that show, I started to feel fucking depressed. I started to feel really sad. And I Is know, that why you went and got a drink? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I went after the show was done. Brandy and I went down, and, and I had a brandy, and she had uh, <laughs> uh, a, a, a special sweet cocktail. And we had a couple of drinks and had a nice talk. I got to know her better. It was, it was a lot of fun. But I what I really did feel sad, and I know Chubbs is in the is, uh, in the chat room saying you really need to get your testosterone checked too. But it it just Chubbs it means so much to me, and so I agree. And, and, and so it's not just 
losing. Listen, if they would have lost a heartbreaker 35 to 34 or 20 to 19 and so forth, I would have been sad, but but not the kind of sadness that I, I feel now. This is like watching your kid strike out in Little League and he's got his head down and so forth. It's that kind of sadness. We're, we're the we're the laughing stock of, of the national sports media. You know, it's just not a good fucking feeling, man. I agree with you. And uh, what I said to you in Morton's uh, was, and I, I meant this, and I feel like so far I've been able to adhere to it. I was like, man, I don't want this to just ruin my entire week. When the Bears lose like this terribly, it, it brings me down the whole week. Like literally, it ruins my whole fucking week. Mm -hmm. Like all week long, it just seems like it's cloudy. You know, I'm, I'm late every day. I'm oversleep, something. It just makes me, I just, I don't want to give them that power anymore. It's like, yeah, it sucks, but I'm going to do everything in my power to somehow just try to try to sound more like Tyler, you know, a gains report and try to sound more upbeat or more positive, appreciate the things I do have, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I, I could be sick. You know, I, I could be going through cancer. I, you know, I could, you know, all these terrible hypotheticals could happen. I mean, and so I, I'm not sick, you know, just enjoy like the, the fact that you're okay. You don't have COVID, you know, some people are dying from this shit, whatever. Just be happy that you, you have your health and you're able to drive to, to the fucking game and you're going to the next game and appreciate that and not just let this ruin everything because I do get in the same funk that you're talking about where, it just feels like the world isn't a good place, you know, when the bears are, I, we invest so much in them, which is why I was telling you like the, you, the, the fucking hoodie and the Jersey mean so much to me. Yeah, It's like, you know, it's something like gang members. I, you know, they have their colors. These are my colors. <laughs> this was, is my stuff. You I know was, I mean? I was in a Chicago gang and we had our colors too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, maybe that's a poor analogy, but you no, get it was, it's this a is, perfect one really is. <laughs> You know how some people were in fraternities or something, and they're so proud of that their whole lives, yep. even if it was 50 years ago. That's that's who I am as a Bears fan. Like, and I hate the fact that our Super Bowl is almost 50 years ago now. But um, yeah, this is this is who I am. It's like it's defined me. You know, my my whole life has just been a Bears fan, and everyone that knows me knows that about me. And I'm sure there's like probably hundreds. I wouldn't say hundreds. That's an exaggeration, but probably uh, uh, at least 50 people that are either happy, really happy that the bears were blown out when we were there just to say, fuck you, Dan, <laughs> or they're really sad for me because they know how much it means to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, I'm sure there are a couple of people <laughs> that we, you and I both know that uh, are happy that we went to the game and they lost <laughs> just to say, fuck you to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I got to tell you one thing about the Cleveland friends for the most part, like 99% of them were super polite people. I mean, you were sitting next to two guys who were really great. These are guys I, I would love to be friends with, you know, even though they are bronze fans to my left was an elderly couple. I would say they were in their late sixties. And they were sweet. They looked way older than you, for real. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe if you, they were if you said you were 63, I told you you could pass for your 40s, and that I wasn't just bullshitting you. These, Those two, if you're in your 60s, they're probably closer to 80. Maybe, yeah. Late they, 70s. They, they were, were old. Yeah. They looked old. Yeah, they were up there. So, And they were so polite. They were effing polite. 
And the funniest thing about that whole, uh, every time that I talked to them was at one point, the elderly lady uh, leans over to me and she says, what is the name of your punter? And I go, O'Donnell, uh, Pat O'Donnell. And she goes, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we had to show for on Sunday was how good the punter is. Exactly. And Other then, than Quinn and Mac, we got to give them credit too. And then her husband says, yeah, well, he's been getting enough work. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, the highlight of our trip inside the Cleveland Brown Stadium was the lady saying, who is your punter? He's really good. Or the other guy uh, saying Nagy's the problem. Yes, exactly. I mean, Not knowing that we thought or agreed that with him on that at all. He just said that on his own. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Swanky, who was at the game, and I apologize, Swanky, we didn't meet up. After the game, he says, if you wanted a fight, you could get one. I saw a Bears fan with blood in the back of his head. Wow. We, we missed the fights, although I'll tell you one thing. I went into the washroom, and, you know, in the washroom, you're going to meet up with guys who have been drinking a lot. You know, they're getting rid of the beer and stuff. And so there was a couple of Browns fans there that says, where are the fucking Bears fans now? Where are the fucking Bears fans now? And then behind me is this big bears fan he's a big bears fan and he goes i'm right fucking here and i ain't going nowhere i fucking i i stopped pissing in the middle of my piss and just <laughs> put my dick back in and, and walked out <laughs> yeah i don't want any of that shit. i'm not going to jail for anybody <laughs> yeah. over that shit you know fuck i'm too old to be fighting anyway me too man. i was surprised like the one that that got me the most like the okay the gay thing okay whatever fine we lost go ahead and call us gay that's fine but the one that like surprised me was when we were walking out with the mass of people. It's like twenty thousand people are going out the same at the same time. It's like we were zombies in a horror movie, all going to eat brains or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, we're walking, and this this mass of people, and someone said something to us ahead of us. Uh, there was two kids with that were Browns fans, and the one guy was like. You know, parents don't let your fucking kids like grow up to be Bears fans. Yeah. And the son thought that he said Browns, and he's like, no. -uh. He's like, there's nothing wrong being a Browns fan. And and someone told him he said Bears fan. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> then the next guy says to us, you know, something disparaging. And my response to him was, um, God, I expected more empathy from the Browns fans. I was like, for real, like you all had a winless season and went a generation without winning a playoff game. Like, yeah, you won today, but come on, man. Be, act mm -hmm. like you've been there before. Yep. So true. I mean, uh, that was a great line that you said uh, about that. Their history of losing is so horrible. And so for them to be making fucking jokes about fellow How horrible we are when they were 0-16 not too long ago. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, and, and, you know, they've got a team that could potentially make the Super Bowl, but something is going to go wrong with the Cleveland Browns. Let me see. At the 129 mark, I am saying this uh, on this show, they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. There's going to be another uh, Ernest Biner moment. There's going to be a, 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 another Sype interception, a Kozar uh, uh, mistake. There's going to be something that's going to stop this team from getting into the Super Bowl. They're going to make the playoffs. They, 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 that team has got a roster, man. They have got a fucking loaded roster. And the fact that fucking Matt Nagy didn't game plan for those two edge rushers 
both <sighs> number one picks in drafts, no less. Yes. I mean, when they got Clowney, I said, oh, they got Miles Garrett already. That shouldn't be fair. How the fuck can they afford two super edge rushers and already have a, a, a solid defense, defensive backs like Denzel Ward? By the way, earlier, about a few minutes ago, I forgot who it was, said, I can't believe Dan was drinking out of a Cleveland Browns cup. <laughs> Well, we're at the Brown Stadium. I like, know. What are you it's do? a joke, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Now, the, I will say that the baseball game, they gave us a free Indians hat, which I did not wear. I wore the hat. Okay, so <laughs> this is uh, this is stupid. And I know people are going to get pissed off at me. How could, how could you do that? So um, uh, I got in first before Dan, and so I went to some shops, and I bought myself a Cleveland T-shirt. It just says the name of the city on it. Well, at the White Sox game, they give, were giving away uh, Cleveland Indians baseball hats. Because they got to get rid of them for the Galaxies or whatever <laughs> the, they're going to the be. Guardians. <laughs> the Guardians. The <laughs> Guardians, whatever. So on uh, on the day that I'm leaving, I, I put on, you know, I, I wanted to put on a fresh shirt. So I put on the Cleveland T-shirt that I bought, and I wore the fucking Cleveland Indians hat. <laughs> so people are like... <laughs> hey man, way to go! I'm out the Browns yesterday. I'm out Cleveland yesterday, and I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. It was like a disguise. I didn't want. It's not that I was ashamed to be a Bears fan, but I didn't want to put up with more fucking turmoil. Yeah, we were getting a lot of mouth after the game, man. That's true. Like during the in the stadium, we were around good people, but after the game, I don't know if they were liquored up or what, but we were taking a lot of verbal jabs on the way out of there. <laughs> we were. So and then. On the on the trip back, I stopped uh, somewhere to get uh, food, and, and somebody sticks their head out the window, go, "Go Guardians, go Guardians!" And I'm like, "What? What?" Oh, and then I realized, oh, I'm wearing a fucking Cleveland T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you know man. that's the one thing I'll say. I've told you before that I like the city of Cleveland, mm -hmm. uh, and my previous trips there for concerts, and like everybody around town, I, uh, even like if it wasn't a Indians or Browns or Cavs shirt that still, they just had something on it said Cleveland. So the, everyone has pride for the city there. So that, I mean, and they should, you know, but that for some reason, nationally, that's the, the, the town that everybody mocks, but I think it's a nice town. I do, but some of the people obviously are assholes after the games, right? I can say if the bears finally win when I'm there, cause now they're Oh, and four when I've attended games, if they went on Sunday and I'm just going to look like any other person from Chicago when we're leaving, I'm not going to mock any Detroit fans. Like I'm just not going to, I'm why would I just, just be happy that you win. Yeah. Right. Um, I will say, I, I got to say this quick story about when I arrived, I, first of all, I'm not going to bad mouth the hotel that we are staying at unless if they fucking, don't send you your stuff and you don't get it by Friday because you paid for two day delivery. So if, if it went out today or they said it was she going says out, it's not going out till tomorrow. All right. So that's two day delivery. So you should get it on Friday. If you don't get it Friday, then on the next show, I'm going to talk about the hotel, the name, the general manager. I'm going to give it all out and, and bitch like, <laughs> like crazy because I had a bad experience when I checked in. So I, I, I drive in on Friday night. The town is fucking going crazy, man. There are people all over downtown. There's a game going on. The Indians are playing. And there's this big fucking country concert going on in the in the arena where the uh, uh, Cavaliers play. 
lots of fucking people all over. I'm, I'm fucking trying to matriculate through traffic and not fucking run somebody over. I'm tired, <laughs> six hour drive. I'm getting ornery. Haven't had a drink in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and so I finally find the right street so that I can get to in front of the hotel with the car on the right side of the street. Because I, when I first found the hotel, I'm going uh, uh, in the opposite direction. So I got to fucking try to make a U-turn, but there's cops everywhere, directing traffic, there's people, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting fucking frustrated. So anyway, get the car in front of the hotel, take my bags out, and I'm waiting for the fucking uh, valet guy. And he's not around. He's nowhere fucking around. And I see in the window, the people... And, and the registration desk are looking at me and there's two guys and they're talking to one another and they're looking at me and talking to one another. And I'm thinking about, Hey, you know, what's going on? Can you call the valet guy or something like that? Well, that's five minutes of me or 10 minutes of me, whatever it was me waiting outside. And finally, finally the valet guy shows up and he says, yeah, there's no fucking room for you, dude. Uh, what? Oh my God. Yeah. Because of the concert across the street, we don't have any room. And I go, okay, well, where should I park? He goes, I don't know, man. I don't know where to tell you to park, dude. So, okay, let me take my bags inside, check in, and then I'll go fucking find a place to put my car. So I go in, and uh, the two guys that were staring at me, they have no fucking suggestions as to where I should park my car. No fucking suggestions. You think that if this was a recurring problem, because I learned later that it was, that they would have a little sheet of paper here are the six or seven garages near our, our hotel, and if the, you have to pay more than our parking service, we, we will make it up to you. You would think that they would have that as, as a plan, right, for shit like this. No, no fucking plan. So I'm asking, well, where should I car? But where should I park my car? Well, we don't know, sir. You might check down the street or something like that, but they're probably full too. So like, motherfucker, I'm paying to stay here. You're supposed to have a spot for me. Yeah, when I booked the fucking room, it said valet parking. There was no asterisk unless there's a country music concert across the fucking street. $40 a day you're getting billed, by the way. So anyways, there, I, I vented there, and people are probably saying, fucking hell, they'll shut up and talk more about No, I don't. How did the story end then? Did they say, okay, we're going to find you a spot? Like, what happened? So, yeah, so that's the kicker, right? So, um, I, first of all, I, I got to add one more thing. One of those two guys was looking at me like I was a fucking serial killer. He was looking at me like just staring at me with these big blue eyes. He was a big barrel-chested guy, and and so I'm like – why are you, I, I accused them of trying to turn it into my problem. You know, why are you turning this into my problem? I'm just simply asking where I should park my car because the website said that valet parking would be available here. And if it's not, then you should have a plan for me as a customer. And so finally he looks towards the lady that you were talking to on the phone. She's seated in an office. She didn't come out for the 15 fucking minutes. I'm talking to Dumble D and Dumble Dork. She, she she finally comes out because he he calls her. Hey, Liz. Oh, I said her name. Um, can you come out here and deal with this? And then she comes out. And she says, oh, we're very sorry, sir. We're very sorry. You know, um, there should be parking down the street. If you go, you know, and, and so finally what she should have done as soon as she heard me complaining, she finally comes out. This is the same lady who took your bags and stuff. Um, so I go out to go find a fucking parking spot and that valet guy. He goes, hey, dude, you know what? Are you going to use your car later tonight? And I go, no, I don't plan to. I'm going to find a fucking bar and get drunk. 
He goes, well, I could probably find you a spot. <laughs> what the fuck? I just went through all this shit with these people. Did you hear me yelling at them inside? I can probably find you. If you don't need the car, you know, uh, tonight, I, I could probably find you a spot. So Why didn't you say that 30 minutes ago? No shit. No shit. Fuck. So, God, everything. It's like uh, the whole the whole weekend, every even little steps in our real life was as complicated as trying to complete a pass in Nagy's offense. Mm -hmm. Yep. Herney777. Who always has great uh, comments. Says it's hot, called hospitality. The word is hospitality. Yeah. I didn't get any at first. Now, the rest of the stay at the hotel was fine. The rooms, I thought, were very nice. It was spacious. You know, for it's a three-star hotel, so it's, it's not like it was going to be super elegant or anything. But I it was, was very, very nice. Yeah. I was really happy with the size of the rooms. We had a suite in the middle and stuff. It was It was all good. But it's, you know, service is difficult nowadays, man. I'm telling you, it is fucking difficult. When I went on the drive back home, I stopped at an oasis to get some food. They got one person behind the counter who is take, she will, would take up 10 orders, line up the 10 orders, and then go prepare those 10 orders. And so it was taking so much fucking time. It, just service in America, man. It's It's become a fucking issue. Our shit was late coming back too. We got stuck in road work and the GPS took us the wrong way, trying to avoid it and had us turn around, going the wrong direction. And God, we lost like two hours coming home, like in an area where I generally knew so, you know, knew the area a little bit, but the GPS was just trying to get us away from road work and just kept putting us in a circle. So yeah, we lost like two hours late getting home last night. It was so fucking terrible. But my question to you real quick, given let's assume that this stuff comes back just for a second mm -hmm. and either way, I'm going to wash it because the way the Browns fans cheated me, do you think a, I'll get my stuff back with cum on it. B <laughs> they wipe their ass on it. C there'll be boogers <laughs> D period blood. <laughs> or E, all of the above. Or no, no, maybe belly button lint. I should throw that one on there too. But there's probably going to be a combination of fecal matter and all that other stuff. <laughs> I'm going to wash it as soon as they come in, if they come in. <laughs> That's funny. You think they will soil it? I honestly think they will. I honestly think that they won't. But uh, now that I remember back to that barrel-chested blue-eyed guy that was fucking staring at me like I was a serial killer, I would not be surprised if he ejaculated all over your shit because he thinks it's mine. Well, either way, I'm going to wash his cum out and I'm going to wear that jersey again, <laughs> just not on Sunday considering how poorly they played <laughs> while I wore the Fields jersey. I'm going to like wear Jim McMahon or Walter Payton or something, I think, next week, but... <laughs> Or maybe I'll just wear a shirt considering every Bears game I've gone to. No, no, I've, no. Worn, I've worn a jersey and they've been defeated. Yeah, but I would like you to wear um, – um, uh, uh, I got like two or three Butkus jerseys, and I got one that would fit you perfectly. So I would love for you to wear that, and then I will wear my Ditka jersey. Let me, let me see if I can point the camera at the two jerseys. I got them up. There's Butkus 51, and there's Ditka – uh, 89. So I would love for you to wear the Buckus jersey. I go as Ditka. We go as old school guys and uh, we get an old school victory. Hey, let's answer oh, some of the so. questions in the chat room. Kenny Jones uh, would love to hear your, your take on this. Kenny Jones is asking, do you honestly think that the Bears will allow Matt Nagy to coach the entire season? What do you think, Dan? My head says yes. My heart says, please God, no. But uh, <laughs> 
I think that based upon the histories, we all know they've never made a change like this. I, I said, I think I said this with Buffon and, and, and Tyler and yourself. I truly believe the only way they'll make a change, you know, maybe they get the same results against the Lions and they're mm-hmm. shamed at home. And Virginia says, you know what? I'm 98 years old. Fuck this. This isn't working. I don't have a lot of time left, boys. Let's, I, I want to win. The season maybe isn't over yet. There's still, there's like 17 more games mm-hmm. or 15 more games ago. Well, you're 14 now, but whatever. Uh, let's, let's make a move. Let's try to salvage this shit. I think it has to come from the old lady. And I don't mean that disparagingly, disparagingly. No. I just mean, you know, the architect, Virginia, I think it's got to come from her to make that move. But maybe, maybe they're all just, Turn, happy turning the profits. I See, don't know. The, the thing, I do believe George cares, though. I do. I want to believe that. I I truly believe too. But well, now now after you read that tweet, I'm not sure so as convinced as I was before. But I don't know about Michael because Michael, you know, just seems just like well, maybe all of them. They just and I think Buffon said this. I don't mean to keep referencing him, but he said that you know they're just so happy to keep pointing out 1985, mm-hmm. and it's like. You know, they got their Super Bowl, so they really don't care. Mm-hmm. But for so many of us, I mean, I was only five when it happened. So it's almost, again, I can go revisit it like it's, you know, I have, you know, no problem. But it's not the same as watching it as an adult. Right. So maybe they are complacent because they had their moment. And for myself or Steve Zimmerman or somebody like that, we or Aaron, we didn't have that moment. Right. Exactly. So, you know, we want it, man. We're chasing that dream. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about uh, those guys that we met Saturday night uh, a little later, but let's get through some more of these questions. PJ asks, what is the best course of action going forward from here on, in your opinion? And so here's my opinion on that. I think Ryan Pace should finally get his balls out there and tell Matt Nagy, Matt, it's clear from what I can see is that you're not doing a good job of calling the plays. Bill Lazor will be calling the plays for the rest of the season. And if you have an argument about that, remember, I'm your boss. I know I only have, supposedly, one year left on my contract, and you have two, but I'm still your boss, and Bill Lazor will be calling the plays. Secondly, I want to know from Bill Lazor how he's going to get the tight end more involved in this offense because – you promised me, Matt Nagy, that we would be running a KC offense. And I see fucking Travis Kelsey doing a fucking incredible things with, you know, getting 10, 12 targets a game. And our multiple five tight ends are getting five targets. So I want you to tell me how this is going to work. Th- third, I know I fucked up with the offensive line. I know that I put you in a bad position because of uh you know, we didn't bring in a veteran, What, whatever. So I, I need to know now from Juan Castillo how we're going to improve the offensive line. So that's the plan of attack that I would take immediately. Then during the bye week, that's when I make the decision as to whether we're going to cut ties with Matt, Matt Nagy and go with an interim coach the rest of the season. What say you, Dan? You got a kind of a, 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 a plan moving forward on what the Bears should do? I like what your suggestion is with, with Pace just saying, man, look, you might not want to give this up, but I'm telling you that you have to. And even if he tries to soften the blow and say, I'm only doing this because I care about you and I don't want you fired, and but you're on the road to being terminated, and so am I. 
So we have to do this to maybe find some kind of momentum to stay here, give them a reason to keep us. Right now, you're killing both of us. So maybe he says, like you said, Bill Lazor is calling the place. I do like that. And maybe that's what it would take for Matt Nagy to, you know, not be such a fucking dick and be like, oh, you won't know who's calling the plays anyway. You know, maybe someone, maybe Pace needs to give a fucking press conference and say, I've told Matt that he's relinquished his duties as the offensive coordinator. So I, I think everyone in Chicago or anywhere in the country, or if, if you want to reference like George or Sandy Tom across the pond, anywhere in the world that's Bears fans, I think that they would uh, applaud if Nagy was not the play caller. I've said if it were me, and again, maybe I'm just the dumb meathead fan, but I was telling you Sunday, fuck it, man. Like Mike Pettin's been a coach before, and what's he doing right now? Just, I would cut, I would, I would tell Nagy, I'm sorry. I know you were coach of the year. You can use that on your resume. We appreciate your services and we wish you well in your future endeavors. And, um, Mike Pettin is uh, the interim coach for the remainder of this season. And Bill Lazor is the offensive coordinator. And let's go win some games. I love that approach. Swanky wants to know if is this terrible offense leading to the end of Allen Robinson's time in Chicago? What say you, Dan? How couldn't it be? I, I heard somebody say the other day that he was, and this was before Sunday, mind you. Mm-hmm. That he was, there were like 115 other players in the league that had better stats than him this year at wide receiver. I mean, this guy, we're, I mean, I don't want to say we should feel sorry for Allen because he's going to make more money than any of us ever can imagine. Mm-hmm. And even if he continues down this road this year being stuck in this bullshit offense, somewhere somebody is going to pay him. Mm-hmm. And it may not be as much as he that he deserves or could earn if he was in a real offense, but as soon as he's free, and why would you franchise him now? You're not going to. Right. So as soon as he's free, he's going to run the fuck away. And why wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I, I love a Rob. I think he is. You know, he reminds me in so many ways of Marty Booker, who was one of my favorite Bears receivers. Um. And, and and when I say that, I mean in terms of production. You know, Marty had that season where he caught 100 passes. Two. Oh, one 01 and 02. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Uh, obviously, you're right. I learned from you about all this stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be No, annoying. no, no, please. I, I appreciate that. I really do. So I, I would hate to lose him, and he's still so young, so he's still approaching the prime. But he has to look at the Chicago Bears offense, and just like – you know, full set on the sideline. This offense doesn't work. And it, and he probably, if he has a good vibe about Justin Fields, and if at the end of the season they fire the head coach and bring in an offensive-minded coach, somebody that Allen feels comfortable with, then I think that, that it could happen. But I think that the other issue, too, is that Allen Robinson is asking for more than the market rate that is going for receivers of his caliber, which is low tier one. And I think that's going to probably prevent him from signing. That is the number one reason, first of all. Ravi has a good one here. A lot of good questions here. Since Vegas has Nagy as the first coach to be fired this season, how much stock do we 
put on that? And what is our best guess as to when that happens? What do you think, uh, Dan? Do you think do you put any stock at all on what Vegas says in terms of coaches being fired? Typically, my my short answer would be no. And I, I would just follow up with the, the national media is not really informed specifically on the runnings and comings and going of the Chicago Bears. And they probably don't know that that's never happened before. But if the media is really putting a firm grip on it and just keeping pressure on the Bears, maybe that's what they need to finally make that decision. So I'll take that as uh, an ally right now. Yeah, You know, like I'm rooting for Nagy Sunday, like you said, too, but I firmly believe that we're not going to win until he's gone. So if we can pressure him somehow to get the fuck out of here, I think that's best for all of us, truthfully. I I think that Vegas gets more insider information than any any media member. I really do believe. Why? Because they pay people off. You know, the the national media, national sports media, they generally don't pay people for information. They got to dig. They got to make relationships. They, you know, ask a lot of questions. You know, they get information from all sorts of sources and they try to get a second source and so forth. Vegas, they fucking call somebody over at Hallis Hall and say, hey, you know, I got uh, a little envelope for you, a bunch of hundred dollar bills. I want to know what they're talking about with Matt Nagy. And I think they set the odds based on that. Now, I don't think that they get any, maybe they don't, any definitive information, but they get to hear what people are whispering about, what's the mood at Hallis Hall, and so forth. And so if the odds are that Nagy will be the first coach fired, and I think that probably is, there's some credence to that thinking. Now, but when it happens... It could be, the, you know, after the season is over. You know, there may not be any coaches fired during the course of the season. So I, I do put a, a, a sliver of uh, credence to to what Vegas says with their odds. But, you know, I, I, I all in all, I, I think Nagy is probably going to last a year unless we get something historic here in Chicago. I agree with you. I mean, I'm just telling you what I hope. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think the best case scenario, they're going to let him coach through the year. Mm-hmm. And they're going to cite, well, he overcame a six-game losing streak last year. And that's what he does best. He, he keeps the team together during adversity. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's earned this chance. Oh, by the way, he was coach of the year in 2018. So I think all that combined, they're going to just – plus they don't want to pay him and not coach and, and pay somebody else. So – I think that they will keep him through the end of the season. I, I mean, I hope not, but I think that's what will happen. Mm. Uh, Herney777, and this is not a political question, Dan. This is about the Chicago Bears. Okay. <laughs> Any ideas for a president? It has to be someone who can run a business, too. It's not an easy question. Have you thought about this? Any ideas on who should replace Ted Phillips? No, negative. It's way above my pay grade, way above my head. At this point, and I've never been one of the people that yelled about Sweaty Teddy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he is part of the problem because he has been there so long. But in theory, if you just say he's George's guy and he's not going anywhere, he's like, you know, Robert Duvall to Al Pacino or to Marlon Brando, the consigliere. Okay, fine, whatever. Just I, I, I do think that regardless, 
we've we got to get rid of Nagy, and we probably can't get rid of Nagy unless we get rid of Pace too. Mm-hmm. And Pace probably deserves to get the axe as well because he's the one that fucking hired Nagy. That was his pick. He's the one that drafted Mitch and then let him go. He's the one that drafted Fields and is letting this guy, you know, ruin Fields' confidence right now and getting him killed. Yeah. And so maybe he deserves to go. Mm. Trading up for a tackle that had a back injury and then, oh, by the way, has another back injury. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, the one name that immediately comes up as a re- replacement for Ryan Pace as a team president, it actually came from uh, uh, Doug Plank. Uh, when he was on uh, the old Hunter Proof show, he suggested Gary Fensick, who is a very prominent lawyer, a Yale uh, graduate, very well spoken, very very smart. He could handle the business parts of it, and you know a lot of the business part is also part of delegating stuff to other people who have specialties in accounting and blah blah blah. But Gary Fensick could probably be a good person, and, and part of Part of what Doug Plank said that I thought was really uh, special, we, we should try to book him for this show, is that he said, you know, this is the one organization in the NFL or one of very few that don't delve into the former players for jobs in the organization. You know, and he rattled off names of people who should be on the coaching staff, should be in the front office, names like Singletary, other names. And that is that is true. I mean, why not give an opportunity to these guys who bleed Chicago Bear Blue? And Which is what Al Davis did for so many years when he was running well in Oakland. You got that absolutely right. You got that absolutely right. I'm not saying that just because they wore Chicago Bears colors and are very passionate about the team. I'm not saying that they're necessarily right for the job. You got to do the interview and you got to go through the process and so forth. But I got to believe that there are a lot of qualified former Bears who could step in and do almost any job in the organization. Um, Poor Singletary gets so much fucking shit because of his run in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, who cares about the Bears more than Mike Singletary? I mean, Donald Ditka said that when he got inducted in, and and it's not a dick measuring contest, but even I'm not saying to hire Singletary as a coach, but like you said, just give him a salary and a job somewhere in the organization. That guy is going to be a soldier like, like some guy in the mafia because he cares about that fucking jersey, man. Yeah. Mike Singletary, you know, to your point, you know, Mike Mike Singletary cares the same way. It's why Oakland hired Willie Brown and Fred Boletnikoff and all these legends in, in, in prominent positions. Mm-hmm. Very true. Bear Truth uh, 9 asked a question. This might have been a while ago because we kind of addressed it. It says, although if you're Pace, you think it's smart for him to fire Nagy now, what do you do when's a smart time to let him go? Here's my 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 thought on that overall is if there's another performance against Detroit where you're putting your quarterback, I don't care if it's Justin Fields, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, or 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 that guy who 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 played wide receiver for the for the Broncos and then went into that game because of COVID last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who it is, you cannot game plan where you uh, a game where you're going to expose your quarterback even if if Matt Nagy hates him like he probably hates Dick Foles for Foles uh, uh talking back to him 
the, you got to protect your quarterback. And if it's, it's especially Justin Fields, the franchise, if he comes up with another game plan like that, then you fi- fire him before he heads out to the media after the game. You, you grab him by the collar and say, hey, hey, get your shit and get the fuck out of here. Now, that's probably not going to happen. I think he's smart enough to have a lot more max protects, chipping of uh, Lions defensive end, edge rushers, and getting things a, a little better. But if the if the team continues to play at a 500 below 500 level, I would seriously look at making a move at the uh, at the uh, at the buy. And a lot also d- depends on the temperament of the players. If you're losing the players and they start going out there and giving lackadaisical effort, Dan and I have talked before about how the players always played for Dave Wanstead. Always. And if the players now don't play for Matt Nagy because they've given up because they just know that he's an incompetent fool and are saying, well, why the fuck should I fucking play a 17-game regular season for this idiot? If that happens, then then you got to get rid of them. You got to fucking find some leadership to turn this sinking ship around. Sinking ship around. <laughs> I agree with you. And two things we should acknowledge before we run out of time is that Foles allegedly on the sidelines, it's hard to, to read lips, you know, for me, but he, some people have said that transcribed his lip reading as this offense is not working on the sideline Sunday. Of course, we didn't see that on the TV copies. We're at the game. Right. Uh, but I've seen it in slow motion. It kind of looks like that's what he says, but I'm no expert in that field or not even qualified to read lips. But, and another thing is that I don't have the exact tweet from me. We, we talked about it on Sunday is that Jimmy Graham basically came out and took a jab at Nagy on his Twitter feed mm-hmm. about with some statistics about how shitty the offense was. So. I mean, maybe that's another angle to all of this is that we need the players to almost be done with him too. That's you know, a- it's like, you know, the, the 85 team, you know, it's got so much. The a Part of the story is that they wrote that after the 81 season, we have to keep Buddy. We have to keep Buddy. And Hallis was moved by that. Well, maybe the players today need to write a letter and say, this guy's a fucking idiot. He's holding us back. Yeah. It, it is funny that you're mentioning that because we talked about that on our previous show, the Bear Debate, and John Buffon said, yeah, no, none of those players are going to write a letter. They'll tweet it out, <laughs> which is true. Well, okay. so it's a totally different day. But that was, you know, that whole Jimmy Graham thing was a sign that there's a growing mutiny. You know, I, I, that's what I think. I mean, why wouldn't it? Um so uh, last says, I hear Aldo was all over Dan's girl like Garrett was on fields. <laughs> Aldo, she's not my girl. And if you were all over her, then have at it. She's, she's my friend, man. And if you all were having fun together, then that's fine. Man. 4,000 Clover says, Aldo, where were you for the 85 Bears Super Bowl? I think I said this story recently. I don't know. If it was yeah, you told the- me. You told me in one of those stadiums we were at. I yeah. don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I'll say it very quickly. Quickly, I was with a bunch of friends. Uh, typically, I like to watch games alone or with one or two people who I trust that are going to be focused on the game and not asking me questions like, you know, hey, well, what are you going to do next Saturday, man? We're doing some party. No, I want to fucking watch the game. <laughs> so um, I made an exception for the Super Bowl because it was a Super Bowl, right? So I got together with a whole bunch of my friends, got crowded into an apartment and uh, and watched it with them. And that was a, a special moment, sharing that with uh, 
friends who I had known since I was a wee little guy. In 85, I was how old in 85? Uh, yeah. You're like 26, right? Yeah, I think I was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm fucking Well, old. here's the question for you. Then where were you during Super Bowl 41? Uh, I, that one, I was at home by myself, and I was happy to be at home. I got to tell you, going into that Super Bowl, I had no belief that we were going to win the game. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. And I felt, what after? How did you feel when Hester returned the kick? I mean, did you think, well, okay, we're going to do this? I said, I'm a fucking idiot. The Bears are going to win this game. God damn it, <laughs> we're going to fucking win this game. That was one of the greatest moments of my 50-some years of following the Chicago Bears. When Hester ran that kick, ah, man, it was so... I kept saying, are there any flags? Any flags? Yeah, I didn't say that. I, I, I just was so... It was like the moment when Michael Jordan did the shrug. It was Against the, Portland. Against Portland. It was the moment uh, Walter Payton ran for 275 yards against the Vikings, and I knew that I was fucking witnessing history on television. It was all of these great moments, and it was that moment with Devin Hester, and it was like, wow. And I was thinking to myself, I'm fucking wrong. We're going to fucking beat the shit out of these guys. And it wasn't to be. What about the one more? Where were you? Where were you? Uh, because I know the Cubs were in the playoffs against San Diego. Where were you when Walter broke Jim Brown? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's in October of 84. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think that game was televised because I was listening on the radio. I don't, that's terrible. Yeah, I, <laughs> it wasn't that or it wasn't was, televised. I think it was blacked out. If anybody, uh, I know there's some old timers just like me in the in the chat. Uh, if you can confirm this, I'll ask Mike North too. I I believe that game was blacked out, and I heard it on the radio in my apartment. Um, if I'm wrong about that, then I, then I don't remember where I I saw it. Um, so uh yeah that was that was weird and it was it, 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 poor Walter you know it, it seemed like almost every time he had a big moment in his career it was blemished somehow you know he had to share it with somebody else yeah had to share it with somebody else not getting his touchdown uh, uh, play called for in the Super Bowl and stuff. There was always like these little they're one of the greatest athletes not just Chicago sports but of any any sport in, in North America, just one of the greatest, and it just seemed like things just, you know, it was, he's a fucking chick playing for Chicago, so it's not going to be perfect like it is for other athletes, other superstars. The only guy that's had it somewhat perfect in Chicago sports is Michael Jordan. Six championships, he, you know, becomes a global superstar, uh, beloved by everybody except Dan Aguirre. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I mean, respected by Dan Aguirre for sure. You want to tell people? And I rooted for him, and I don't think I definitely rooted for him against the Lakers. I rooted for him against Portland. If I had to go back again, I'd root for Portland. Honestly, uh, I rooted for him against Phoenix. I didn't care about Seattle. I, but the seventy-two win team, I just started hating them at that point. Uh, I didn't, I liked them the first three mm -hmm. and then, uh, I didn't like Seattle. So I just didn't care about that series at all, but I hated Utah vehemently. So I rooted for him both times against Utah. So 
Yeah, and the Seattle one, I just didn't care. So over overwhelmingly, I rooted for Jordan in the finals. But your issue, and we've talked about this on the show before, but just for many of our new listeners, your issue with Jordan is you don't like the way he treated Isaiah Thomas. Well, I mean, not just that. I, I mean, there are a lot of things about Jordan I didn't like. I mean, but they're personally about him, like about his personality. I mean, not like personally, like I know him. Um, but things like that is what I guess you could say I didn't like. But yeah, I think it's it's a shame that Isaiah kind of just is an afterthought right now. Just because, and I don't like the the dream team stuff. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. And like he owns up to it, but then he doesn't own up to it. And it's like everybody knows, man. Like quit bullshitting, you know. But I do think Isaiah deserves uh, a lot of credit for being a great basketball player. I mean, Jordan's better, mm-hmm. but Isaiah made Jordan better though, making him like you said before, like working out and making him hit the weights and. And just being a stronger player, mm-hmm. all those things that helped him grow over just it taught him tenacity to overcome like this team that's beating you up. Hmm. Hey, guess who popped in? If you're going to say Shane Marsa, I'm going to be like, wow. <laughs> no, he gonna... loves the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I am going to say Johnny Sandu. <laughs> look at that. Right. Wallpaper you've got going on there, Bears, Chicago Bears wallpaper. Oh, it's a green screen. <laughs> I'll not give away all my secrets. <laughs> uh, I'm good. How are you fellas doing? Good. I saw you in the chat room, and I said, "Okay, John's got to come on and g- give us your take on what's going on with the fucking Chicago Bears." Hey, you- before John jumps in, let yes. me ask you something. Yeah. Are you still? Is there any chance you're coming to the game Sunday? I will not be at the game. I will be in town, though. I'm hoping to see both of you. Oh, good, uh, good. Saturday I night would be great. I, I've got to go back and get my condo ready for sale. I still own property in Illinois, even though I live in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, is your time of being there? I, I I think I'm hoping that we'll be there somewhere around like 6, 7-ish central time. Perfect, because electricity was turned off in my condo, so I can only work during the daytime. Oh so, gosh! I'll be ready for uh, hitting up Morton's in Schaumburg. Nice. <laughs> Just I don't know about Morton's. Well, after the trip, I will set something up and let everybody in social media know because uh, we've had already like uh, almost a half dozen uh, uh, requests. Is there going to be a meet Dan event uh, when he's in town this weekend? So I will set it up for. Right, that was canceled. I get them all to myself. i love it (laughs) i would set something up for like saturday at 8 p.m um it'll probably be in the north suburbs um so um or close to the airport that might make it more convenient for people so we'll i'll set that up and i'll make sure to let people know on social media and um and we'll advertise the shit out of it. So I'll set that. So up. hypothetically, Aldo is the goal. Just forget where it is, but like hypothetically, is it going to be like a a restaurant kind of deal, like a Buffalo Wild Wings sort of? Yeah, exactly. Where we're watching sports and and talking and stuff like that. You got it. All right, got sounds it. great. Yeah. Sounds great. I am uh, staying by the mall, although as I usually do over there, as you know, there's a couple sports bars, big ones. Ah. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. So actually, yep. uh, uh, Tooch, let's let you and I talk offline, and maybe you can give me a couple of suggestions to check All out. Right. And um, um, maybe we'll, I can square away a space for us. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, anything you want to ask uh, Mr. Santucci, Dan, before I quiz him on the Bears? Well, <laughs> he has been a detractor for a long time of Matt Nagy. And to, to be fair to Tooch, he was saying that in 2019, like when everyone else, myself yeah, included, yeah. was probably happy with him saying, well, he's the reigning defending coach of the year. So I want to give him his props on that. He's been saying Nagy was a, an idiot since 2019. Yeah. So my question for you, uh, Tooch, is I'm assuming that you kind of felt like we did after Sunday, thinking like if you had it your way, dude's gone after Cleveland, right? Oh, yeah. I wanted him gone after two years. But, you know, that sadly the, the wheels move a lot slower at Hallis Hall than, you know, the fans would like. Uh, the fans being correct more often than Alice Hall, though, mm-hmm. you know, if truth be told over the years. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I you know, I, I don't think they've ever fired a coach during a season. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting to see how far the bottom is for me. Right? I'm way past where you guys are now. I've been, I, I've got, I've gone through those stages, you know, where it's, I, I forget what are all the stages of grieving. Yeah, for, I've gone for, through all of them. And, anger, uh, <laughs> denial, yep. uh, sadness. Yeah, I, I've gone through uh, most of them, too. Yeah, I went through them two years ago. But, uh, <laughs> but mm. you know, I, I the thing about Nagy is that some people can spot a phony faster than others. It's not because I watch a lot of film on football or watch a lot of games or know the game like, you know, other folks do, professionals who, you know, break down tape and stuff like that. But. To me, it was the fake laugh. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, are you ready to be a bear? You know, during draft day and stuff. That just sounds so phony. You know? I, I don't know if you guys got that. That's, what, that's the sense I got. You know, and oh, wow. I'm, I'm looking around. I think uh, uh, I forget who tweeted it out, but it was reading Nip, Nick Foles' lips talking to Andy Dalton on the sideline. This offense isn't working. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, Nick probably was saying the same thing last year, too. Yes, you know, I'm well, sure was. I, I think he, in essence, was saying that to Matt, to uh, the coach himself. Remember that one time on national television where they caught him on the sideline having an animated discussion with Nagy, and we yeah. learned after the game was there are certain things I do better than other things that he wants me to do. Is essentially what he said, and so yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it's it, the secret is out, uh, the secret that the national media suspected uh, and, but the players have now saying it through their tweets by being caught, you know, with the lip reading and sidelines and so forth is there's no faith at all. No confidence at all. in Matt Nagy in his play calling and in the scheme. So Nick's way past, you know, cover Andy Dalton was covering his mouth with the towel. He's new. <laughs> Nick, Nick falls as he's been there. So he doesn't give a shit anymore. He's uh He's going to say it out loud, you know, no hiding. You know, Andy Dalton's like, I can still start this team. They would lead us to the playoffs at eight and nine. Like I was saying, like, I'm, the Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL. I mean, as long as Matt Nagy's calling plays, I, I'm not even sure the locker room believes in Matt Nagy anymore. That, that's why I'm saying it's interesting to see how far the bottom is. But there's good news, although, I mean, you can, folks, we can make a lot of money betting against Matt Nagy. I, I sure have. You know, last week I was like, that is uh, very true. The uh, under, yeah, uh, against the Cleveland Browns, two pass rushers. You know, uh, they could really rush the passer. We saw that on. You guys were there seeing it live. Yeah. You know, uh, but 
to not have you know a tight end stay in to chip any of those guys. I think Miles Garrett said the reason he didn't have any sacks against the Texans was that you know they chipped him more often than they chipped him with the tight end more than any other team ever chipped him. Mm-hmm. You know, so Matt Nagy didn't watch the Texans Browns game. I don't think you know he didn't watch that tape. But uh, if he, who, if he did, who in the right mind would think that Peters, at his age and at his conditioning, could go one on one against Miles Garrett? Yeah, doesn't doesn't make sense. Doesn't no, make no. sense. That's Matt Nagy. He doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know, Matt Nagy, he's he's good for three points and a half. Although, so that's right. Want to take the take the <laughs> under on faith in the Bears the rest of the season, but. Uh, they're going to have – if they don't beat the Lions, they're going to have a hard time. You know, the first 10 games, they might be one and nine. You know, because schedule – after the Lions, the schedule doesn't get much easier. It's, Vikings, it's Vikings are playing well. All right. Uh, I, love, I love what the factor says here. Is most Bears fans are down, LOL. Tooch is smiling because he made <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I mean <laughs> – Money, Darren, money Darren, you gotta, make people feel better. <laughs> you you got to help Darren get put the the gambling app on his uh on his phone so he can start making some money. Never gonna happen. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. West Virginia legal there. Bears it's legal. That's why I don't play fantasy, and I'm not gonna gamble against the Bears. Not happening. You so have I'm, not, I'm uh, not gambling on the Bears either. But <laughs> <laughs> that's how you can make money, though. Pace fell for the con man and Nagy. You know, I mean, I'm, although I, I've said this before. You and I have talked, but I'm not so sure Pace hired Nagy for the sole reason that their wives got along. You know, I think he said that in an interview. My wives yeah. got along great at the interview. I'm yeah. glad Ryan's Pace wife has a friend now, but that yeah. doesn't help us win football games. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in uh, the profession of football coaches who know each other, the fraternity, yeah. but also, yeah, you know, she likes her and blah, blah, blah. Let's make this happen. Hey, I got a question for uh, Dan, and then, uh, John, I'd like you to jump in. I want to start with Dan first because he's so good at the history of the Chicago Bears. He's the best. Shouldn't Justin Fields do what Jim McMahon did, which is basically say to Mike Ditka, fuck you, I'm going to change the plays, I'm going to do what's necessary for us to score points. Shouldn't uh, Justin Fields take a little bit more of a of a risk of alienating his his head coach since his head coach doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. God, if I give you what I really think, I uh, I don't want to piss off anybody in the chat room. My honest answer to that is it's more complicated for Fields to do that because he's black, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but there's a stereotype on black men when they're called angry. Mm-hmm. and stuff and then they're called malcontent and that's easier for a white player to overcome it's easier for jay cutler it was difficult for cutler too but aaron Rodgers can certainly overcome that and mcmahon could overcome that he was difficult to coach at times but if you get labeled that as a rookie and you happen to be a black man i mean that shit kind of follows you around they're like oh he's got an anger problem and he's not coachable and he you know then suddenly it's like cam newton and he's out of the league now so I think it's more difficult for fields to do that. I honestly do. And if I alienate anybody by saying that, I do apologize, but I'm not lying to you. I'm not saying that for political gain or to look smart or that's my honest opinion. But if you get that aside, you knock that out of the way and say that's not relevant, then I would love for fields to be more assertive and to say, 
coach, I think I can do this well, and we're not doing this at all. Let's please utilize the things that I'm good at. I would love for him to have that conversation. And if you remember during the game, it, 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 he was heated. At one point, Fields just walked away from him. We saw it. But he did come right back to him like five minutes later, two minutes later, whatever it was. It was shortly after. But Nagy was trying to talk to him at one point in one of the bad possessions. They were all bad, I guess. He came off the field and he walked away from him. It made me think of Cutler when he basically uh, told uh, fuck uh, Mike Tice that he was a fool, you know, and just walked away from him. But anyway, I hope I didn't give you an answer that made you think, oh, fuck. No, not me. I'd love to get uh, Tucci's take on uh, the question that I asked. Well, you know, Fields, he's new. He's learning. This is first year in the NFL. You know, if uh, if he were to, you know, take on his head coach, he's, he's going to end up with the target on his back that Nick Foles is currently wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty sure Nagy said in his presser, uh, Nick Foles might be the starter. You know, I, there's not a chance in hell Nick Foles is starting this game unless those two are are uh, are too injured to play in Dalton's knee and, and yeah, I kind of uh, disagree. With hand. I think that if he plays Foles, then he can be like, well, you know, we still have this kid that I'm coaching up. It kind of gives him more time by not playing Fields. Whereas if Fields plays and struggles again, people immediately want to come after Nagy. I feel like it kind of softens the blow. It gives him a scapegoat if yeah. Fields plays and he sucks. Well, there's there's a lot of sense to what you're saying. You know, um, a lot of uh, the the tape that Aldo played earlier in the show, you know, said that Nagy was sabotaging Fields. I'm not sure that that's the truth. I just think Nagy's a horseshit play caller. You know, he sucks. I mean, it, the way you beat the blitz is quick. You know, three step drop and hit the quick slant. You know, or or keep the tight end uh, in two tight ends in the block on a passing play. Let let Mooney and Aaron, and Allen Robinson beat their man. That's it. Rip Montgomery no. with the fucking screen, screen when run the screen, draw, and draw the pass through. rush in and dump off the screen pass of Montgomery, who's more than capable out of the backfield. But uh, I never thought, I mean, when Nagy was hired, we were we were sold a bill of goods that said this guy's an offensive genius. You know, well, Matt Nagy makes me long for Dowell Loggins and John Shoup. I tell you, <laughs> Gary Croton, I'll take. You know, just, oh, stop. he's that bad. I would take Ron Turner back. You know, Ron no, Turner, Ron Turner, Ron Turner there, could call some plays. Much lovely. Yeah. 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 Ron Turner would be great. I would love to see but Ron Turner. Here's what would happen if Nick Foles were starting. He would just audible out of every fucking call Matt Nagy made, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, that would make Matt Nagy look like a genius. Well, all these plays are working, man. But I mean, Nick Foles knows, you know, uh, how to read a defense, you know, Justin Fields is still learning how to read an NFL defense. Mm-hmm. Factor asked a question. I'll, I'll, uh, why don't you start with the response on this one? Uh, what do you guys want to see out of Justin Fields on Sunday? Uh, Two point, you start. Time to throw the ball. You know, he plays that work to his strength. You know, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> Play, plays that are tailor made to the things he does. You know, get him get him rolling out, move the pocket. Uh, you know, some short slants that he, you know, build up, hit some completions and build his confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and then tell him, you know, if, uh, if it's breaking down, take off and run, you know, that's what he, he's, he's a good scrambler. I mean, and slide, <laughs> slide, yeah. slide before you get tackled. That's yep, exactly. Dan, what do you think? What would you like to see out of same field? thing? I don't want to see him get hurt. I know they said he kind of damaged his hand a little bit, but it wasn't like tragically hurt or anything. 
So that's, we got lucky there. Cause again, other than Jay's game against the giants in 2010, no one's been sacked like this in a bears uniform in one game. So I don't want to see him hurt above all, but secondly, if we can, I want to keep him healthy, but secondly, kind of plays to what tooth was saying, like, God, get, get the guy a chance, get him in some rhythm, give him a chance to get his confidence up and think, okay, I can do this. You know, it kind of haunts me now thinking about how sort of easy he thought it was after that first preseason game. He didn't know what he was talking about when he said that they really weren't playing. It didn't seem that fast to me. Oh boy. But the last six quarters, it's not looked good for him. So I want to give him an opportunity to show who he is because I still believe in the kid and I hope that the Bears fan base still believes that he's the right guy. It may not be with this coaching staff, but I would like to see a glimpse of that and, and above all, keep him healthy. Let me uh, answer that question also by answering the Bear Truths 9 uh, question. He says, Aldo, does Bill Lazor play a part to this offense uh, play calling this weekend? So that's what I would like to see. I yeah. would like to see Matt Nagy. I think he's he talks to the media tomorrow on Wednesday. I would like to see. He says he'll he'll, he'll say, he should say we've all met as a team, like I told you we would on Monday, and we were all very candid with one another, and everybody was candid towards me, and so we've made several decisions, some of which I can share with you now. One is Bill Lazor will be calling the plays again, and will be calling the plays for the rest of the season. Then, as part two of that, on Thursday, I want Bill Lazor to come out and say, what we have done is we sat down with Justin Fields and also a few select players from the offense, meaning A-Rob, Darnell Mooney, a couple of tight ends and so forth. And we asked them, what are some of the things that you would like us to, to call on Sunday against the Lions? Let's look at some of the Lions tape, and you can see where some of their weaknesses are on the defense. What do you think we could do to best expose those defensive weaknesses? Justin, let's talk to Justin. Let's talk to A-Rob. Let's talk to Montgomery and so forth. And develop a game plan that everybody on the major players on this offense feel like they have ownership of it. They go out there and execute the game plan they came up with. Matt Nagy, go clean the fucking garbage. Go clean that shit stain that you left from last week in, in your office. Stay out of this, Matt Nagy. So, but I'm, I'm 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 being serious in that there has to be a radical way of thinking at Hallis Hall in terms of how they start scheming because it to me it looks like if. If that was really all just Matt Nagy who came up with that plan against Cleveland, he, he should be arrested like Dan Hampton said. It was, it was criminal. It was brutal, man. All that stuff you're saying, although it makes too much sense. But, <laughs> you know, uh, Matt, Matt Nagy, uh, if he was smart, he would give up play calling duties and focus on managing the game because a lot of time he's got his head stuck in that you know, playbook or that play sheet, the laminated card. Uh, and he's not paying attention to things that need to happen in the game, you know, whether it's clock management or game management or, you know, making sure the right personnel is on the field for whatever package, either offensively or defensively. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, if, if Bill Lazor were to become 
uh, take over play calling dudes, I'd have to think twice about betting on the Lions next week. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. uh, I'm really looking to fade Matt Nagy the rest of the season. I hate to say this to you. I hope you lose your fucking money, man. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a. I mean, the Rams. The Rams game was the easiest bet I ever made in my life. You know, uh, mm-hmm. last week against the Browns, probably the under under 43 points or 44 points, whatever it was, was probably the second easiest. Well, I've been fading rookie quarterbacks all season and the under Mac Jones and Zach Wilson and all those guys. Uh, they, they just can't put any points up, you know, yeah. they're just too green. So uh, uh, next week, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really studied the lions uh, enough to cap the game yet, but uh uh, I, it might be a game I stay away from right now. It's at, it's in soldier field, Matt Nagy. Uh, this is one team he can beat, you know, historically, and he doesn't have Mitch Trubisky to do it anymore, but, uh, what but was he that can name? beat the lions. I'm sorry to talk over you. I was gonna say, I've got a question for you gentlemen okay. and maybe the chat room. Uh, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about an hour ago, but Alan Robinson can't be happy right now, given that, you know, there's like 200 receivers with better statistics than he has right now. And given the precarious nature of his contract. So my question is, let's say, and this is completely hypothetical, but let's say uh, Robinson let his agent know, look, I want out of here. This is, this is hurting my, my, my bottom line. I want a fresh start. I want away from this bald fuck. Who's the coach. (laughs) Would it behoove the bears in your opinion? Mm Mm-hmm. To move a Rob, I'm not calling a Rob a malcontent, but we all understand the financial uh, scrutiny that he's under right now, and for for the his next contract, would it behoove the Bears to trade Robinson for maybe on the other end of that? Either you get help on the old line, maybe a tackle, maybe not a left tackle, maybe a right tackle, someone that's a starter with the team you trade him to, or maybe help in the secondary. Would that be better for the Bears to a drop his salary? And get help of the two positions, one of the two positions you need help at, or because you're not throwing to him anyway. So, or do you think just keeping him and just, you know, letting him go at the end of the year for nothing? You have to wait until the playoff picture arises for that since the trade deadlines in late October. Right. Trade deadline, you'd have to wait around till there. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't think the Bears would do that. I mean, would I trade him for draft capital? Absolutely. If I but was not draft capital, I mean, I want a, anything. If I'm going to trade him, I want either a, a nickel corner or a right tackle because you're probably not going to get a left tackle. But I, yeah. I want a starter, the someone that can come in and help right now. Maybe a right tackle to help Fields, or maybe a nickel that could help your secondary because I, I mean, and that wasn't the problem this Sunday, but it's still a problem. Well, I will say this. The trade deadline is November 4th. Uh, let me confirm that. Yeah, Tuesday, November 4th. So in the NFL week, that comes out to week nine, which I believe is the week that the Bears have their bye. No, it's it's the last game before the bye. So they would be in essentially trading A-Rob just before the Steelers game. Um, so I would say this. Um, I would try 
as much as possible to reach an, a long-term agreement with A-Rob. That will be not my number one priority. I agree. I agree. Number two, in, if you can't make that, you're going to have to trade him to a team that is that you're going to give permission to try to work out a deal with A-Rob because if you don't, then the other team knows it's going to be a half-season rental because A-Rob will then become a free agent or potentially like a franchise tag him, but it won't, won't be a long-term deal. So what you get in return for A-Rob won't be substantial whatsoever. You're trading him to a team that says, hey, we're gonna just, we just need him for the playoff push here. So here's a third or fourth round draft pick. But if they sign him to a long-term deal, then perhaps you can get a first rounder, maybe, not not too likely, but definitely a second rounder and 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 a player to be named later, kind of thing. So, um, what is that? that? Did your air conditioner go on, Tooch? Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, so, I, I I hate the fact that we might have to entertain that topic for real. Um, but yeah, I uh, I. I I don't. I, I don't think that you're going to get much in return unless the team receiving a Rob is able to sign them, and and that's tricky to do. Yeah, he's he's probably the best player on the team. Yeah, you know, you, you hate to lose him because he, you know, he, he has the potential for for a uh, uh, hundred catch season. I just yeah. don't. Th- I I think he's had enough of of Bears management and Matt Nagy to want to sign here. Well, and PJ makes a good point here because he says you can't sign Arab now because he's on the franchise tag and there's no negotiations with players who aren't a franchise tag. I guess that is right. Um, you can't extend somebody's contract who's on the franchise tag. So that makes it even more difficult. Yeah, the Bears are fucked. Come he, on, man. He's out of here. <laughs> he's gone. Because you're not going to franchise well, him again. If you, if you give him the choice to leave, he's going to go. Mm-hmm. And he's gone. And, I mean, he's gone. And and that's the awful thing about the predicament that we're in. You know, pe- some people are saying, well, you should just fucking tank the season. Tank for what? It's not like if you get the number one overall you don't get draft. The fir- you don't get a first-round pick. That's right. It belongs to somebody else. So you're tanking for somebody else. No, you got to do whatever fucking possible to win games this season. You got to do it. You fucking got to do it. Is it two more first rounds that we're not getting? Two more years without a first-round pick. Just field. one, I think, right, for moving up to, to draft Justin Fields. Yeah, because they got one this year. That's right. They right. got our pick at 20. Okay. Right. right. Yeah, it's – it's. Hey, before I go, I want to say this real quick because I, I, I don't have a lot of time, and I've beaten up Khalil Mack on the show a lot, uh, and I feel like my criticisms have been uh, warranted at those times. Mm-hmm. But I also want to praise him now to show that I'm not just some asshole who doesn't like him. Khalil Mack obviously banged up his foot. He was in the medical tent, and we didn't even realize it at first. You said, where's Mac? Uh, just uh, looking out there, and I was like, man, I don't see him either. I don't even see him on the bench. And then I looked at Twitter and saw that Patrick Finley had said, you know, he, he's in the tent, and, oh, he's in the locker room, or whatever the, the sequence was. And then we were watching him try to just stand there, not even really stretching anymore, but not with his helmet, and it didn't look good. So he set out the rest of the second quarter, and he came back, and got a sack, and he obviously wasn't 100%. He had a sack earlier in the game. So, I mean, and we saw him trying to fire up the defense at, at, at one point in the second half as well. So, 
I, I got to give Matt credit. You know, like at one point, you know, he got a sack because Quinn had pressure and cleaned it up. And at one point he had pressure and Quinn cleaned it up and got a sack. So they're helping each other. That's positive. That's good. That, and he may not be a game changer the way I want him to be like Garrett was Sunday, but you know what? He's playing and he did. He could have set out the rest of the half and he didn't. Hey, or uh, the rest of the game, Dan, I apologize. I need to interrupt you because there is breaking news and uh, I want, I want to get your comments on it before. Is this you hang out real breaking news or chat <laughs> breaking no, in the chat room? Or is it... No, this is good. And I appreciate it's Brisson uh, letting me know about it. I yeah. am over at the athletic.com. The Chicago bears have signed a purchase agreement for the Arlington international Racecourse property in suburban Arlington Heights. The Athletic has learned the team is expected to make the announcement Wednesday morning. We are not surprised by this move. This is a quote that I'm reading as a spokesman for the mayor's office said, we are not surprised by this move. We remain committed to continuing the work to keep the team in Chicago and advise the bears that we remain open to discussions. However, just as the bears view this as a business decision, so does the city of Chicago. This season, Soldier Field signed for a major contract with the Chicago Fire, and just last weekend, Soldier Field hosted the Shamrock Series, both of which were lucrative for the Chicago Park District and local economy. These examples and others demonstrate that Soldier Field remains a very sought-after venue, and as the mayor has said many times overall, the city and the Park District must explore all options to both enhance the visitor and fan experience. This is a, a long story, so I just read the first few paragraphs. But apparently, the Bears are very, very serious about making this move, and um, it, you know, it, it, we won't see them playing playing Arlington Heights if we do at all. You know, but uh, it, my, I meant to say we won't see them play there f- for several years if we ever do at all, because the Soldier Field folks still have a chance to win them back. But I agree with Ravi. Good job, McCaskies. The you know the the, the Soldier Field is just uh, the, and Chicago has not kept up with the times in making that fan experience. And Dan, when you're out here next Sunday, you'll see that the fan experience at Soldier Field is not anywhere near what you and I experienced at um, First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Dan, your thoughts? My thoughts are: it just seems like. Uh, the opportunity to keep the bears in Chicago is like to use an analogy is like swimming upstream at this point. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not there. It doesn't impact my life. Like it does you like your, your, your taxes are going to go up to finance the stadium. And it's going to be so cool for you to, to catch an Uber two minutes away and go to your fucking game. You know, if you want to, cause by that time you're going to be in your early seventies, you know, maybe you don't want to fucking drive to the game and deal with that shit, but you're going to be right there. So your Uber is going to be $6 or 10 or something. So yeah, that impacts you. But from an outsider perspective, in theory, I, I, I would love to see the Chicago bears play in Chicago, uh, a major market, a major American city deserves a major American sports team. And you would think on paper that these two things could come together somehow, mm-hmm. but everything's political and has red tape around it. And it just seems like this shit's happening. It's happening right in front of us. It's they're going to claim, you know, the bid on that land and, and they're letting us know like, dude, we're next decade. We're out of here. Mm-hmm. So it, it's happening. They're giving us a part of the real stadium. 
They're going to ho- probably have a retractable dome, probably host the NCAA tournament, and probably host a Super Bowl. So you, you could the Super Bowl could be in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And well, and Dan, when you leave the airport and drive to my house, you're not coming to the plane. But when you're driving to my house on 53, you're going to look to your right and you're going to see the racetrack, and I'll take you there. Uh, later in the day or sometime before you leave so you can get a closer look at it. But you're going to actually see that land that Chicago Bears are purchasing. And I'm going to take a video of it. And yeah. then in a decade, if I'm still alive, I'm going to be like, this is what it looked like <laughs> and come back and be in the stadium. Tooch, uh, your thoughts on uh, the news? I love it. Like Dan said, you know, you're going to get a lot more events, man. You build a state-of-the-art stadium. I mean, the, the Bears were kind of wedged into – using soldier field you know keeping it they dropped the stadium inside the colonnades you know which to me never made a lot of sense i mean like if the mayor's saying right now hey it's soldier field still lucrative you know there were other sites in the city they could have built the state-of-the-art stadium they chose not to uh now the stadium that's been dropped into where soldier field is it's you know it's not going to host anything it's small it's one of the smallest stadiums in the nfl if not the smallest, I think it is uh, the smallest yeah. capacity is what 62,000, 63,000. Right. right. Uh, they're not going to host any big events, you know, like that, like uh, Dan saying, you know, you get an NCAA tournament with a retractable dome, man. You get the NCAA championship there. Uh, and then, you know, you, you build a fan experience, like you say, put a casino there, top notch restaurants. Well, we might be, a, they might be walking distance to Morton's again, mm-hmm. although. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> put a put a Morton's and a casino, all sorts of stuff. Stadium um, looks like a spaceship. Maybe they can call George Lucas back, and they can put their George Lucas Museum in there. <laughs> that would be cool too. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Arlington Park has its own Metro stop. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, that's kind of you know that's easy for folks to uh, get to. Uh, whether whether you take the Blue Line out to Jefferson Park and transfer there. You know, uh, you could take the Metro from Ogilvy Station all the way out to Arlington Pike, the Park. There's lots of going into the city uh, for people in the, in the suburbs is a bit of a hassle. And I'm not sure that people uh, are strictly coming from the city to go to Soldier Field to see the game. It's mostly people either, you know, visiting from out of town or uh, in the surrounding suburbs that are attending the games anyway. So uh, if they if they do it right, you know, and they make transportation a little easier for fans to get there, they'll, they could have a stadium with, you know, 80,000 people, you know, a little bit better revenue. And, and you know, they're not paying the, uh, the park district, you know, to rent the stadium anymore. You know, they own it. You know, they'll build it themselves. They'll own it. The NFL will finance it, although we're paying higher property taxes probably. Arlington Heights. Not that they're high. Not that they're low right now, anyways. But yeah, I'm not sure how much more uh, anyone can pay the taxes I pay in this fucking place. But yeah, uh, that's a, a different day. Um, hey, can I say something to you, Aldo? Because I got to get ready. Yeah, to go. I was just going to turn it over to you because I know you got about four or five minutes left. I want to say I kind of said this at the beginning, but again, I, I'm not blowing to, to use a, something that Phil would say. I'm not blowing smoke. Um, so, and again, I say that with reverence, no sarcasm toward Phil at all. Uh, so I want to say again, I want to thank you for the experience over the weekend and thank you for, you know, doing the podcast with me the last year and a half. It's been great and I've enjoyed it. And I always thought of you as my friend before, which is why I stayed around anyway. Cause like I said, you know, whatever problems may or may not have existed with you and other talent had nothing to do with me. 
you and I, you know, we didn't have any uh, quarrels and you and I spoke about movies and TV and shit. The same things we talk about in here, we were saying in text, mm-hmm. you know, so I thought of you as my friend before we'd ever done a podcast or thought of you, but certainly before I met you, but now when you meet somebody, it kind of takes it to another level. So it sort of authenticates your friendship. So I hope that you think of me as a legitimate friend. Cause I certainly think of you as that. And I want to thank you uh, for just how gracious you were over the weekend. Like I said, just, you know, oh, I want to pick this up. I want to pay for that. I want to pay for that. I mean, you know, it's not like you were obligated and, or, you know, it just, you, you just did it out of the kindness, of your fucking heart is what I'm saying. Like, and who does that? Not a lot of people. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for inviting me to your home this weekend. And, and I hope that a, I have my Jersey and my fucking money, but to B, I hope that, uh, the experience is great this weekend. I hope we get a victory. I hope we go to Ditka's and do all these things and then that, that it's great. And I, and I hope that I don't impose on your family in any way. And uh, I'll be as respectful to your house as, as I would if it were my own. So again, I want to thank you uh, for everything, man. That's, uh, I guess I've rambled enough. There it is. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate that very much, Dan. Uh, you're always welcome in my home and you're my good buddy. Uh, one of my best friends, as is Tooch. Johnny Santucci. And uh, I will let you go, uh, Dan, get to work, make some money, save some lives, and uh, and we'll uh, talk oh, again. That reminds me. I uh, There's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie coming out Friday on Netflix that's about the 911 operator, Dan. Oh, Whoa! Check oh, that out. I hate the Antoine Fuqua film. Oh, he's a great director. Training day. The Halle Berry 911 movie yep. is horrible, and I don't watch that show either. But <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go do that till 4 p.m. But as I go, I'm gonna say this completely to tug on my own cock. I was uh, <laughs> told by the owner of my station today that I won Personality of the Year on radio in the state of Virginia. Woo! I don't, I do not have my plaque yet, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently it happened over the weekend when they they would have had a banquet, but they didn't because of COVID. So they just announced the winners, and I'm supposed to get a plaque. So I've won all these awards before for my sports coverage, but this is the first time I've submitted anything for just my classic rock radio deal. Good so I kind of feel like that acknowledgement means that I can tell my owner owners here, or my owner and my uh, you know, the person that is my boss to say, hey, see, I don't suck. Kind of feel like I, I've sort of authenticated by winning that. So I'm very proud of it. And I don't mean to sound like that's my sin, like vanity right now, but I just, I, I was told before, right before we turned the mic on. So tonight uh, by Bob, he's like, Hey, congratulations. I was like, for what? <laughs> I thought he was going to say, you went to the rock and roll hall of fame or sorry, the bears lost, but no, he says drops this on me. I was like, wow. You're getting a so, lot of congratulations in the chat room. And Chubbs wants to know how is it that Dan keeps winning all this shit in West Virginia? <laughs> Well, this is actually in Virginia, but our, Virginia, our, we're right. on the border. We're I'm in West Virginia, but the border is just so close. It's like you could have, I mean, one of our stations, for example, is 100,000 watts, but you could just have a basically a, you know, a small radio station and go to Virginia because it's so close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that's how I won in Virginia was because we're so close so I could enter in Virginia too because it goes all over Virginia as well as West Virginia. So, but, but I mean, it wasn't me. I mean, if he's trying to imply that it's some kind of fucking joke or something, it was by the 
all the other ones are from the West Virginia Broadcasters Association, and this is the Virginia Broadcasters Association. Also, I won sports with them last year, too. So it's not just some fucking joke, man. I mean, I know he's proud of his service and stuff, but I'm proud of my fucking job, too. Man. He's not. He just asked a question. <laughs> but it's with a lot of fucking, I always take little jabs, man, and, like, I've never said anything back. And that was a fucking jab. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. But I, I gotta go. I don't oh, think he, I love everybody I don't think it who's was listening. A, I don't think it was a jab. And if it was, I think he he meant it only in jest. Um, he said, and as he puts it right here, I'm just fucking with you, Dan. Dan, sometimes you have thin skin. Okay, I'll own that. I'll own <laughs> that. But I could I, listen to Dan Aguirre all day. And I don't want to fucking take little jabs when they smile at me and say I'm supposed to take it and fucking smile about it. Anyway, I got to go. <laughs> I love you, Dan. I'll see you Saturday, Danny boy. I can't wait to meet you. All jokes <laughs> aside, too. Thank you. All right, brother. All right. Well, I'll tell you, if I was renting a car and I, I would complain after I was done renting it that I couldn't get Dan Aguirre on the radio. <laughs> that's am how I much wrong, i love listening to his wrong voice in saying that he has sensitive skin sometimes there's nobody more sensitive <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> uh, uh, uh pj asked a question man i was like uh how easy is it to get to arlington from say somewhere out, you know central illinois for example that's mm -hmm. i'd say it's a lot easier than getting to downtown soldier field yes you know? that's true so, uh, I mean, you just you just fly up 55 from Central Illinois. That turns into 355, and you takes you right to Arlington, almost right, you know, right now, up the North South Tollway. It, you know, 53 can get a, a little crowded with traffic, especially around Schaumburg. You know, yep. around Woodfield. Yep. So they would have to make some infrastructure changes, and you know, the streets along uh, the racetrack and so forth. Sure, the untucked property, Euclid Avenue. Yeah, but this is going to be a multi-billion-dollar project. Project, and so the roads yep. are going to be expanded. They're just not going to build a stadium, and everything's yep. going to be the same. Uh, so, so it is going to be good. And I see, saw what Michael Diaz. Yeah, he says Michael Diaz says traffic will kill you. But before that, he said, you know, as long as it's the Bears' own money, and I agree with that in terms of the edifice itself. But there has to be some tax dollars put in for road construction and so forth. And the return on that for us taxpayers is more jobs, uh, blah, blah, blah. So hopefully this is done the right way. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want, if they're going to come to us, McCaskies are going to come to us. Oh, and by the way, this is all completely tax buyer funded. I'm going yeah. to say, get the fuck back to Soldier Field. <laughs> yeah. My my property taxes are already astronomical. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, the NFL will will uh, finance you know a large portion of this. Like oh, well, done. the NFL will, uh, Tooch. They've done it with other stadiums. Okay, you know. Uh, I don't think they they were doing it uh, as much back when the Bears, you know, dropped the spaceship into Soldier Field. But I, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, the uh, Cowboys Stadium was partially financed by the NFL. You know that you know if the Bears have to take a loan out from the NFL, fine. You know that's uh let's let's be honest. They could create something state of the art there. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as fan experience, hope top-notch hotels restaurants and a casino man that would be killer you could spend a whole week there you know and then go to the game on the last day and fly o'hare's what 15 minutes away 10 minutes 
Wow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Chubbs, it's, Chubbs says, Aldo, sell me your house for $100 and I'll let you live there. I don't have to pay property taxes. Like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to my wife right away about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Teach, I interrupted you. That's right. I was done. <laughs> um, listen, before uh, we finish up here, I want to ask you a question about your Twitter handle. Yes. Um, Santucci VIP. Talk to us about yep. that. I had to reinvent myself for uh, for the podcast I do called Maximed Sports Wagering Show, and uh, I had to do. You know, I, and I told them when uh, we have we have a, a marketing group that helps market the uh, the show, mm-hmm. and uh, they help market my Twitter handle, and they they insisted that I reinvent myself as a handicapper, you know, which I was resistant to because you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just do, I, I started doing it for fun. You know, I, I, uh, when it became legal January 1st, uh, in Iowa, mm-hmm. you know, I got into it and made some money betting on the Buccaneers and the Super Bowl, and, mm-hmm. uh, continued that into, uh, college basketball where I, I was really, ha- I had, I was picking games, you know, pretty well during college basketball and then, uh, lost, lost a lot of money betting baseball, which I'll never do again. So baseball, I'll be, uh, I'll be not, not betting baseball, you know, yeah. I kept losing. So, uh, oh, football's come around. I'm, it's more of a sport that I know. And like I said, I, when the bears lose and I'm, if I make money, it, it doesn't hurt as much, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, uh, I know my team and I know if, if they're going to lose, I'm going to make some money off of it because, uh, I, I'm here to, to uh, supplement my income with either, you know, sports wagering or giving uh, advice or tips, you know. So the the VIP is uh, I have some people who subscribe to me for picks, you know, and I was hitting about fifty five percent, you know, for uh, which is pretty good. I mean, the best gamblers in the world lose forty three percent of the time. That's just the fact. Absolutely, fifty seven percent of the time is good, really good. Fifty five percent of the time is good too. Sixty percent is. Uh, 60% is, you know, you're, you're, you're otherworldly, you know, and that just doesn't happen because, you know, you're, you're like two bad weeks away from you losing your entire bankroll. So, you, you know, like mm-hmm. I always say, the best bet you make is sometimes a bet you don't make. So yep. I've been a lot more conservative and I'm just picking, you know, a couple games that I'm really sure of, you know, I'm betting that on the weekend and been doing pretty good with, but, you know, I have to, to give out free picks you know, as part of the marketing service and uh, they've been getting, they're getting us some good guests coming up, you know, on the, on the show, like David Beerman and uh, hopefully the crack man, Bill Krakenberger, who's like a legend in sports gambling. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, other people in the uh, little circle of uh, handicappers and stuff that, that uh, work uh, in the little Twitter group we have, but uh, it's been fun, man. I'm, I love talking college football now and, uh, I, I talk about uh, a, a few a few games uh, Sunday for the NFL, usually four or five on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Saturday morning, about four or five, six college games. And then we talk about uh, uh, the Thursday night football and college football and Friday night college football games. And then, of course, Monday night, we're talking just Monday night football. It's been – I keep the show down to about 15 minutes for, you know, Monday night and Thursday nights and – about a half hour for the other nights. Where do people find this show? 
It's a Maximum Edge sports wagering show on YouTube and uh, Twitter Live. You can follow Maximum Edge uh, podcast, Max Edge podcast on Twitter. And uh, that we do we go live, uh, you know, on all the same time as, as YouTube, YouTube Live. And uh, actually, if you if you uh, if you send a uh, a follow request to Max Edge VIP, you'll get you'll get access to that Twitter handle. You get a free pick every day. Well, that's funny so, that you would say that because somebody was just asking for a pick tonight. Uh, Laz, give us one tonight, Tooch. Come on, give us a pick. Tonight? Give us a winner. Give us a winner for tomorrow's action. Let's take a look at what's uh, going on. You don't bet baseball anymore, right? What I don't like betting baseball. Uh, what about Thursday's football game? Who's playing Thursday's, Thursday's football is Bengals and Jaguars. I'm telling you, I, seven, what I would do is probably – I'll probably take the under in that game. That's okay. where all the all the all the money is on the under right now for that game. And I, like I said, I've been fading rookie quarterbacks. They can't put any points up. So the mm-hmm. Jaguars, you know, they've got the number one rookie quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. And then you've mm-hmm. got the Bengals, you know, and uh sure the Bengals can put up some points. Uh they just uh beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. they played like horse crap against the Bears, you know, but uh uh, Bengals could put some point ups. I don't think the Jaguars would put much points up, so I'm probably leaning for the under in that game. I haven't capped that game yet, though. But uh, it's seven and a half, you know, plus seven and a half Jaguars. That that half point hook would make you want to take the Jaguars. But if I was betting, I'd probably buy that hook and take the Bengals minus seven. But I haven't, I haven't made a decision either way. My initial lean would be the under. I I got to tell you, man. I think the Bengals are going to blow the Jags away. <laughs> yeah, that, so, it's a disaster in Jacksonville too. You it know? really is. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's something that we we failed to talk about. But all of the rookie quarterbacks, I was so high, and I still am. I still am high on the five quarterbacks that went in round one. All of them, yeah. I think, are going to have good NFL careers, and maybe some of them great NFL careers. And still high on Justin Fields, still high on Trevor Lawrence, still high on Zach Wilson, still high on Trey uh, Lance, although he's he's only seen a handful of snaps of that, and still high on uh, uh, Mac uh, Jones. But they're one and eleven so far this season. <laughs> In fact, those yeah. five guys are the five least ranked quarterbacks. So I should say four because Trey Lance is not not on there. Right. Uh, those four guys who have seen playing time are considered among the the worst in football statistically right now. Yep. And that's okay. That's okay. If you learned, heard the montage that we started the show with, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks, their debuts started off poorly. Yeah. And yeah. Troy out. Aikman. Troy Aikman is being – 15. John Elway, another one. Elway, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they got to take their lumps, you know, but yeah. Like I said, I've been fading the rookie quarterbacks, whether it's taking the under in their games or just betting straight out against them. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, Cincinnati's a better team than Jacksonville. It's just that's the way. I mean, Jamar Chase has been fantastic. That guy is just four touchdowns already. Mm-hmm. You know, after taking after taking a COVID year, you know, at LSU, you know, he's reunited with Joe Burrow and he's you know he's catching some deep balls. He's that guy is fast. I would have loved him on the Bears, but uh, you know, I, I love. Justin Fields pick. We haven't had an athlete like that, a quarterback ever for the Bears. It's Lass, just Matt Lass. Nagy. <laughs> Matt Nagy is uh, 
is ruining them. Yeah, Notre Dame or Cincinnati Saturday. Uh, that is a tough call. I, I, I don't know uh, the spreader, and I think Notre Dame's getting points uh, at home. But uh, Cincinnati's got a good quarterback, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a tough. But Notre Dame's defense is really good. I, if they're getting home, they're getting points at home. I, I like to take a home dog. You know, home dogs are are, are making are cleaning up this year. You could tease tease the home dog, you know, with another team, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're getting like plus nine at home for Notre Dame with another team, you know, that you like in the in the game. Were Were you surprised at the Wisconsin Notre Dame game on Saturday? Uh, the results nope. of the game. I had Notre Dame in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Wisconsin, they can't they can't pass the ball. They're one dimensional. They've got a good running game, and the defensive front of uh, Wisconsin is pretty good. But uh, they're playing. They were playing a home game on the road. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many Irish fans in Chicago that that was pretty. That was that was a home road game for the Irish. You know, Irish have a good defense too, and they got a little better quarterback. They can run the ball too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincinnati is is playing for something. Uh, this is the Bearcats I'm talking about against Notre Dame next Saturday. Uh, they're they're trying to make a little statement. You know, hey, we deserve to be in the playoff picture of college football. And uh, uh, Notre Dame also, you know, Notre Dame has been to the playoffs. Uh, I, I I probably would take Notre Dame. My initial lean is for Notre Dame. I think you know Cincinnati struggles in the first half of teams. They had a hard time with Indiana. Uh, I probably would lean Notre Dame initially. Cool. I always like to bet on the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game. And I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I am also a realist. If I think they're going to lose, I will bet against yeah. them. I'm the same I, way. I hate I, to do I'm that. the same way with the Bears. I, you know, I, I, I didn't. I hated betting against my team. The Bears are my team. Sure, you know, yeah. I love the Bears. You and I have been. I've been fans for 40 years. You've been fan. You've been fan for 50 years, you know, or mm-hmm. more, 55 right. or 45. So right. you and I have been fans for a long time, man. I, mm-hmm. When I was watching Bears games as a kid, Walter Payton was running the football. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, uh, that there's no there's no uh, no way I'm ever going to give up those memories of you know Walter. And, you know, Walter was all you had back then. Yep. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I, I you know I said this division you, this, this division probably you could win it nine and eight this season mm-hmm. you know and Vikings and Packers are probably a little bit better and the Vikings have talented offensive players you know you've mm-hmm. got two really good wideouts and then you got Dalvin Cook I know he's he's often injured but that guy can really run the football and backups yeah. not bad either Kirk Cousins you know put some put some players around him and he can manage the game make the throws when he has to. And then you got the Packers, their defense a little suspect, uh, but they could still put up points at Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Those guys, those three, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams, those three guys can change a game. You know, the Bears just don't have anybody like that. You know, Allen Robinson, sure, but there's just nobody to get him the ball. There's nobody protecting the quarterback for real that injuries have decimated the bears offensive line. Let's be honest. They're, they're playing a guy, a 39 year old. They found off the street at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how bad it is. You it's know? pretty bad. It's but bad. The biggest blame goes to one particular person. I've failed in a lot of different ways. Right. That's uh, the same stuff every year. He says the same things, but he never changes anything. He never, <laughs> he never learns from his mistakes. It's so frustrating. You ever you ever meet somebody 
somebody that just doesn't learn from their mistakes. Oh yeah. You know, over and over again, making the same mistake. You know, he's like a play calling addict. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, he, well he can't give it up. You know, he just he has to call plays. That's what he does. He's like a junkie. Yep. You know, it's just he won't give. He he gave, he gave Bill Lazor what one game last year, and they were they did awesome. And then he took it right back. Yeah, no, I know. I was like, I, I was so games. bored. Wasn't I was so bored games? coaching the game. I I wanted to call plays again. He got <laughs> bored. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Same right, it is time for us to pull the plug on this episode of Dan and All the Bear Their Souls mm-hmm. and John Santucci. Let people again know where they can contact you and uh, check out your show. Yeah, uh, at John Santucci VIP at Max Edge Podcast. You can watch uh, live. Uh, our next next time we live is uh, uh, twelve thirty Central on Thursday and twelve thirty Central on Friday. And then Friday mornings we start at nine a.m. Uh, Central. So we, and we talk a little bit longer. You know, Saturday we talk college football, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, we've been doing really good. We give out a free play every show. So uh, our free plays are doing pretty good, man. Uh, Monday night, we gave out Dallas minus three. That was another easy bet. Mm-hmm. That was one of the easiest bets ever. Man, I don't know why why Philadelphia was, you know, Dallas Dallas can really move the ball. Yeah. I was like, there's no way Philadelphia could keep up with them offensively. I had max bet Dallas minus three, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was easy money. But uh, Thursday night, we'll be talking uh, – Thursday afternoon, we'll be talking Bengals and Jaguars. Friday, uh, we'll be talking those three college games on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, we'll be picking some of the best games uh, Saturday to talk about. And, of course, Sunday, talking NFL football. We'll have, you know, guests and everything. So, And chat, answer questions from the chat room. Excellent. Uh, yep, and a free pick every every show. All right. <laughs> Tooch, thanks very much. And we'll definitely be checking out your show. Uh, yep. You and I will uh, talk off air uh, in the next day or two. Yep. i got to catch up with you. On I'll see you uh, Saturday. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll definitely uh, meet up on Saturday. I'll be, I'll be there. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. All right. I want to let everybody know what is going on with the chat, or excuse me, with uh, the Barroom Network. Let's see. Tomorrow, what do we got going on tomorrow? Um, we have got Buffon 55 for Bears uh, football coverage, and that's at 7 p.m., Jeff Risden is going to be John's guest. And if you've never heard or read uh, uh, Jeff's work, he's phenomenal. He is an outstanding reporter. Um, he covers the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. Isn't that wild? And uh, he's going to provide us with a lot of information of what we can expect from this Detroit team. So that's going to be a fascinating part. Alyssa Barbieri is still unfortunately out, so I'll be working with John on that show. And so the the, the second part of the Buffon 55, I will ask John five questions that he's got 55 seconds to answer in honor of his uncle, uh, uh, Doug Buffon, who wore number 55. And then in the third segment, Neil Stopchinski will join us for Buffon's Basement, and we'll get into an in-depth discussion about some of the major topics affecting the Bears. Earlier tomorrow, 2 p.m. tomorrow, we've got um, um, uh, Bar Down, our Blackhawk NHL talk show. So if you're a hockey fan, I really encourage you to tune into that show because it is very well done by the Parisi brothers. They come very well prepared, lots of great information, lots of uh, provocative thoughts. So there's that. And then before that, uh, at 11 a.m., so I've done the schedule backwards, starting from night, afternoon, and morning. Late morning at 11 a.m. Central, 
Greg Gabriel and myself are going to talk about the Chicago Bears. It's really going to be Greg. I'll ask him questions, and he has the stage to share information about what he saw in uh, that game against Cleveland, talk to us about what he expects to happen with Matt Nagy. Uh, Greg does a lot of – Greg has a lot of insight into what is happening in the NFL and with the Chicago Bears, so perhaps he might have – an inkling as to what could be happening in terms of the futures of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. So that's going to be super interesting at 11 a.m. Central tomorrow. Greg Gabriel at 2 p.m. Bar Down, NHL, Blackhawks Talk, and then at 7 p.m. Buffon 55. I've probably forgotten a bunch of other stuff, but I am now very tired, and it is time to say goodbye. Follow us at Barroom Network on Twitter. I will be posting updates on our schedule. Uh, Sometimes things shift around a little bit, but uh, pretty much uh, what I shared with you about Wednesday's schedule is pretty much locked in stone. So hopefully you can join us then. And uh, and then for some of our programming later in the week, Daniel, Danny Shimon and I are are planning a Bear Truth episode at 8 p.m. Central. He's already picking up highlights of of, uh, the game against Cleveland. Not highlights, lowlights. Tragedy, war, war footage, <laughs> the bombing of the Bears. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to get his insight into the tape. So that's it for now. Uh, thanks a lot for all of the people who joined us live. That was outstanding. Your your interaction really helps make this show what it is. And thanks to Dan. I love him too. I yelled at him twice today about his long story about his hoodie and stuff. And then towards the end about Chubbs just fucking with him. But uh uh, but I love him. I love him, and uh, I'm so fortunate to be doing this show with him. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.